Hey, Real Nerds. There's many ways to enjoy the Real Nerds podcast. You can listen to us on Stitcher, iTunes, and now Spotify and iHeartRadio. You can see what we're up to around town by following us at Real Nerds on Instagram. And if you want to send us your thoughts, you can email us at realnerds at gmail.com or call us at 720-6nerds5. Like us on Facebook at Real Nerds Podcast or tweet us at Real Nerds. And now on with the show. Here we go again, it's our film explosion. A movie countdown of real devotion. It could get long, so bring your ibuprofen. I'm telling you all, it's a film explosion. What's got the best acting? What's got the best direction? The cream of the crop, here's our selection. From comedy to drama, even black exploitation. I'm telling you all, it's a film explosion. I'm telling you all, it's a film explosion! Film explosion! This is Real Nerds Podcast. Officially, your official podcast to go see, listen to after you see movies with your your friends, and we all go together to, to do them with movies. The motion picture. I am Ryan, joined in the historic Bug Theater. Talk about all access with Brad. This is pretty cool. And Zach. Hello, hello. Live from the bug. It's Saturday night. No, it's not. It's Tuesday night. Uh, but we have connections, which would be you, Brad, to get us here. Yeah, I work here. Yeah, so, so. we're lucky. We you know we haven't been back. You know the, when we were here last, Brad? Uh, Take me back. I think it was our back. 400th episode, I believe. It was. How many years ago was that? Three 2018? years ago. 2018? No, 2019, I thought. 2019? Yeah. Yeah. And was it 2019? I believe so. 18 or 19. I think it was 18 because... This guy actually probably would know because he remembers the most obscure things about our podcast that I don't even remember. Yeah, I'm the one who remembers the, the elephant killing story. No, I um, mean, <laughs> I, it, when you're the talent, your job isn't to remember. It's just to have people around you that make you look good. Look, I'm the real nerds historian here, okay? <laughs> one day you'll write a coffee table book that people will burn in effigy. Like, <laughs> fuck yeah. I can't wait for our TCM backlot story. <laughs> no more film opinions. The plot thickens real nerds. <laughs> <laughs> so tonight on Real Nerds, we're going back. To our second year, Brad. Zach wasn't even born yet. Um, <laughs> we, uh, we're, we're revisiting a film explosion, which we did last year, or yeah, last year for 2011, which was our first film explosion. And so we're doing a film explosion 2012. We call them retro film explosions. A redo of our the second film explosion ever. I know, and I actually had a really hard time with this one because I like a lot of How the so? movies and. I dropped some and I brought some up. And then, you know, like I say on every one of these, sometimes I go back to the ones I just watch the most. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously those are the ones I enjoy the most. So, yeah, I struggled a little bit with this list. Um, I think that's what's cool about redoing these is to see, you know, what's changed in 10 years yeah. uh, of our opinions. And, uh, yeah, I'll admit uh, my list is uh, a bit scrambled up compared to uh, 10 yep. years ago and it'll be interesting to see what you guys also have uh you know 
changed your opinions on? I feel like mine didn't change incredibly much, but I actually added some stuff. And in order to do that, I took some stuff away. But there, but it comes back to that whole thing of there's sometimes more films that I watch now as opposed to 10 years ago. So, like, yeah. <laughs> like I can tell you right now, Silver Linings Playbook isn't hitting my list. <laughs> but it yeah. was on oh, the no. top 10. I know. Um, I know David O. Russell will be so sad to hear that. <laughs> it's so sad or, like, yell at you in a murderous rage. He's already crying because you didn't go see his Amsterdam (laughs) I don't need to I don't need to see mediocrity Um, so yeah I I, these are always really interesting to me and to see where I am now and how I feel about films um, tease for the website um, I will have starting I think tomorrow um, I'm gonna have a countdown of my 150 favorite films of all time whoa and so each time i post an article just be on one film and it'll give a quick overview of the film and then my last paragraph or two will be why i love it why Uh, 150 i don't know i just randomly (laughs) picked it honestly um i like that it gives you a little bit more than a top 100 it gives you allowance for the and but not enough of the work to do a 200 yeah (laughs) i i I, yeah i have well i had to cut myself off somewhere and so when i'm doing a list like that it reminds me a lot of film explosions because on film explosions we take our ten favorite films of the year. Now these aren't necessarily critical darlings, or some of them might be, but at the end of the day, it's all about the films I like. And I know I do a movie podcast about being a critic of movie film, but I actually think I'm different in this regards. I think I'm a fan of film, so mm-hmm. um, I don't look at films uh, in a critical sense, if that makes. I'm not a Leonard Maltin. I'm not going to break like scenes down and themes necessarily, but it's what I enjoy and what I like seeing on screen. And sometimes a lot of films will take me back to how I feel at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, films that mean more to me than maybe somebody else. And that's how my film explosion lists always take shape. But that creates more interesting lists than just doing a critical darling list. Yeah. Cause I, I, you know, you always look at, because I'm sure, I mean, I'm on Variety all the time. I'm on Hollywood Reporter. Yeah, and they always have, you know, the 10 best films so far and half of them I haven't even seen. So that's the basis for my list. I um, I don't know if you guys are the same when you do your film explosion list, but that's how I go through my progression of my list. I feel um, like sometimes critical darlings end up matching with my sensibilities, but then I'll have offbeat selections in there. Yeah. That I'm just like, nobody's going to put this on their fucking list. Like. Yeah, there's a couple in here that you'll see that like nobody's gonna put this on there. The New York Times isn't putting this in the Oscar campaign, you know. Nice. Yeah, the, the end of my list is always yeah, kind of a, uh, you know, a lot of my list are like the stuff I loved is the first five, and then I gotta figure out how to fill the rest of them. And uh, I, I'd say the, the bottom of my list changed a lot compared to the first time around. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. And I tried to find like, you know, when I, when I stopped caring as much, I tried to find obscure stuff that you know, maybe just needs like a little highlight. Oh man, bump. that's going to see another Into the Void fucking trailer. Yep. Son I, of a. They were released it in the C Film Center, so I watched it again, so I'm going to just have to add it to this year. <laughs> you son of a. <laughs> I couldn't bitch. find my previous 2012 list because I had published it for a for a film website that no longer exists now. So, um, so I, I there's one film that I know I didn't put on here again because I haven't watched it in years, but it's called Supporting Characters. Mm-hmm. But that's an example of like one that might be more of a critical darling. But yeah. since I hadn't watched it in a while, I couldn't remember if it it was high in my esteem compared to that. But I still love the movie. 
to like you don't hate the movies just because you took them off your list. No, no, no. It's just like I said. Sometimes, uh, like I'll say, one that's not on my list is The Impossible, and you can go back to 2012 where I said that Tom Holland's going to be something because mm-hmm. um, he he was great in that. And it's not big that I don't think the movie is still incredible. It's just I don't know. I really struggled with this one more so than 2011. It's and only- I I think it's a, a byproduct of me doing this podcast for as long as I have that I start gravitating towards more things. You know, I mentioned my 150 list. I have way more like classic Hollywood on there than I previously would have. Um, just because, uh, not because of some Sherlock Holmes hat wearing motherfucker at the end over there. Um, it's just because you, as you do the podcast and we used to have that segment, what you've been watching, I really started expanding what I watched a lot, Mm -hmm. even though I, I loved classic Hollywood, but I started digging deeper into it, just like digging deeper into like horror films or whatever. And, um, you know, this podcast gives me a great opportunity to not only do that, but to meet people in the wild. I'm always blown away. Uh, Brad and I were at the U.S. premiere of Weird, the Weird Al Yankovic story. And some dude says, I subscribe to your podcast. And he like gave us a shout out, introducing a theater full of people at the Alamo. Um, and it's just, it's just bizarre because that happened, man, not even that long ago too. I was at Buffalo Wild Wings and someone said, you're Ryan from real nerds. And he says, I recognize your voice. And <coughs> I never thought I had like this recognizable voice, but you realize you've put so many of these out there. I mean, what episode are we on? 568? No, I feel like five, 560 probably. 560? It was a 60. Um, but that's not including all the interviews I've done. All the comic cons I've done, the horror shows, you know, it's it's just when you think about it, we have so much content, and we're giving you more. We're actually going back and reliving stuff, and um, I, and I'm getting really nostalgic here because I, I love my friends, and I love that I can do this every week, and I love that I have people way more talented than I am that can put this together. And I get to reap the benefits of it, where people say, "Hey, you're from Real Nerds, and I like your shirt design," and um, you know, that's just a tribute to you, Brad, after, you know, knowing you for so long and people recognizing your work that I'm currently wearing and Zach's wearing too. Yeah. We're twinsies today. I've got three of those shirts. Nice. <laughs> Feels pretty good to be successful. At least that thing. <laughs> um, well, yeah. success is relative. It's, are it you is. happy and do you enjoy what you do? Did Obviously we don't make any money doing this. In fact, it costs me a lot of money all the time. <laughs> yeah. But I do it because I love it, and I see movies anyways, and I love nothing more than on 841 on a Tuesday night to be in a real theater about to watch trailers from movies that came out 10 years ago on a screen, and I can tell everybody how much I hate Zach's list. That's like (laughs) everything that just makes me so happy in my life. You're going to be able to say, fuck you, Zach, with acoustics blasting off the walls. Exactly. The way it was meant to be. Also, keep in mind, success is relative, yes, because did we make it to the theater? Did we sit in these seats? Are we talking right now? Mm-hmm. Fuck yeah, we succeeded. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and who knows? Maybe uh, someday we graduate to being on that stage and people are sitting here listening to us record this. Yeah, and I mean, we, I mean, you, we could do it. I mean, maybe Film Explosion 2022, we should have... It here. A live. Yeah. A live one. Ooh. Um, well, James, uh, half of James's family is in Michigan now, so it's going to cut our audience in half. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know, and my wife doesn't support me, so. Fine. I'll get my family to come. Yeah. Well, at least we have one fan here. 
We have one fan here. We have one fan here. I think her headphones are on. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't want to listen to us. <laughs> but here, wait, wait, wait. I got it. <laughs> Thanks, Malia. Yeah, woo. Yeah, Thanks. there yeah, you go. There Thank go. you, Malia. Uh, anyways, um, Brad, you've made a Blu-ray for us. Um, yeah. You have maximized our list because you're the only one who actually knows what's on them because you supply us with the trailer so we can maybe get reacquainted with the films. Um, I feel like we need to because, yeah, these are 10 years old now. Yeah. So, Zach, you're first with a batarang above you. Hey, hang on a sec. I, I, I was going to ask you to take us back to 2012. Okay. Um, what was the year like in 2012, Ryan? Well, in the year 2012, I was a wee lad of 31. <laughs> so young. Um, so young. Um, I had gotten married, still married to my wife. About a year into it, yeah. Yeah, still married to my wife. Still weighing your options. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> she definitely is. She's because especially my kids being a little fucking asshole today. So <laughs> she came home from her like her final test and her orientation because she has to do like this overnight at the ICU to get her second nursing degree or whatever she's getting. I don't understand it. It's just costing me a lot of money. But anyways, <laughs> he was just having a bad day and uh, he's just crying for no reason. And it's really because he. Um, didn't eat his lunch that I made, and he only ate the Halloween candy I put in there, so I know he's hungry. But anyways, he's crying and upset and kind of being like a little shithead, and my wife came home and was like, well, see you later. (laughs) (laughs) It's your Um, problem now. So uh, my wife has been incredibly supportive, and she was supportive back then. I know. This is the first year we did Denver Comic Con, and she was our booth handler. Yeah, yeah. So she's always been supportive. Um, I know it. (laughs) <laughs> she actually misses uh people coming over to our house to record yeah um you know because now we live up in the mountains and um we used to always record them at my place really yeah and those first five six years yeah, yeah. Shoot, so we can start doing it again so maybe uh maybe one day yeah the the suburbs call me soon and i'll be back down here <laughs> um and yeah so in 2012 um yeah, I you know we did the first Comic Con. Um, it was a really big transitional period for us um, because you know the big film of the year is The Dark Knight Rises, and unfortunately, it's always going to be marred um, because one of our fans and one of our friends was one of the victims of the Aurora shooting, and Alex Sullivan. Uh, yeah, R. Alex R. Sullivan, yeah. and I, I'll never forget. I, I know I've told this story before, but it's you know been so long. Um, I met Alex. I went to, um, Mile High Comics was doing a Comic-Con launch. Pre-party. Pre-party thing. Brad and I wanted to go because Michael Uslin was there and he's the producer of all the Batman shows since 1989. And he wrote a book called The Boy Who Loved Batman. And I really wanted to meet him. And so while I'm waiting in line, I, I don't know if you beat me there, Brad, or what, but I was... Um, wearing our first shirt, which just had our like logo in the corner. And uh, I wasn't talking to Alex, but I was talking to someone in front of me and I felt this tap on my shoulder and he said, Hey, are you Ryan from real nerds? And I said, I am. And he says, hi, my name's Alex Sullivan. I go by Sully and I listen to your show all the time. And so I just started hanging out with him 
Um, he's he, he always tweeted our show. That's how I knew him too. And so we kind of developed this friendship that was tragically cut short. And so, you know, that place is always interesting for me. Mm -hmm. And um, because I remember we were so excited for this film. We saw it at the IMAX on Colorado Boulevard. We went back to my place to record the episode and it was all over the place. And we used to see movies at midnight all the time. And I know it's hard for Zach to talk about it, but Zach was there and yeah. we, you know, movies fundamentally changed then because now we have Thursday showings and there is really no more midnight showings. And heck you're no. releasing movies on a Tuesday now. Exactly. Exactly. But, yeah. Sorry. Didn't um, so, it, you know, it, it's a really weird period for me because I love where we were and I th our Denver Comic-Con went well. James Marsters hugged me and he smelled so good. And so this, this is always a, a weird time f uh, year for me um, because I'll never forget uh, when the news of this broke and I heard that Alex was there. Um, I knew he died really early because we started getting media requests from CNN and things like that because Alex, the last thing he did uh, before he saw the film was t tweet our show saying this is going to be the best birthday ever. And that's something that always like sticks with me. <laughs> and I wrote this story about how I met Alex and I, it, I just posted it on our website and his dad, um, Tom, took it and read it at his memorial and I never met Tom before and now we had this bond that is a horrible bond to have around this tragedy but I will say because of this tragedy I am now on a new career because of it um, Tom Sullivan is now a state senator and he fights and advocates for gun safety and gun control mm -hmm. Um, he's been on our show. If you want to listen to an incredibly poignant and amazing episode, dig up our conversation with Tom. Um, I remember being at James house and crying while he was telling us the story about Alex and giving the kid before ba uh, the dark Knight rises pen, uh, buttons and stuff before the show. Um, so it, man, I really brought the room down, but I, <laughs> But I, I, I don't want it to cloud what I love about this. And um, I, I always remember, I know Brad was there with me, um, with Michael Uslin. When he signed our book, I'll go back to happy things now, but this is always <laughs> for Alex. It always will be for Alex. Um, if I forget to mention it every once in a while, don't ever forget that um, Alex was our first really big supporter and that he's no longer here is a tragedy, but he lives on through his kindness and the Aurora rise and all the work that his father does. But through all of this, uh, I remember Brad, we were really nervous to meet Michael Uslin and I remember he was signing and he asked us what a real nerds was. And I said, it's a podcast and we would love for you to be on our show. And he said, of course I'll be on your show. That's awesome. And 
so he was we wanted to get kind of information about him and he was doing a panel at comic-con and brad and i sat down for the panel before because we didn't want to miss it and about 10 minutes before it started he comes in and he sits down next to us and he says hey i'm doing your show right after this right and it was it validated everything and I, i'll never forget what advice he told us and he correlated it to where he was and how he got the batman um franchise just kick the door down just kick the door down because what are you gonna do you can ask where they say no okay whatever it doesn't hurt my feelings and we're fine and it's actually paid off extremely well for us um we literally have friends that are celebrities we have friends that are in the comic book world um and it's all started in this long story i just told it all started because um denver comic-con in 2012 going to the c film center seeing comic-con a, a fan's hope and talking to beth who had a little table in front of the theater not knowing if anybody would come to denver comic-con and now it's one of the biggest cons in america and it blows my mind every time to think that we were on the ground for the first one and the opportunities we were given because we just followed what Michael Usland said and kicked the door down. And it's brought us great friends like Zach. Zach uh, appeared first on Burt Wonderstone, which I think is the following year. Yeah, 2013. Yeah. Um, and so we met Zach through there, and here we are. Mm-hmm. Freaking next year will be Zach's 10th anniversary with real nerds. I demand a network special. Uh, <laughs> you, you'll stay on the show and like it. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that's my really long story and why this year is important to me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Brad and I have known each other since 98. So, you know, that's 24 years now. Our 25th anniversary is coming up, Brad. Oh, uh, what are you getting me? Uh, what's the 25th year paper? I think it's uh, crochet. Is it crochet? Yeah. I'll, I'll knit you a Spider-Man thong. Yes. <laughs> and make sure it goes all the way up my ass. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and there's a little webbing. <laughs> um, so, yeah. But even though our lineup has changed a little bit, what's great about it is anybody can drop in, whether it's Corinne, Henry, or James. Mm-hmm. Even though they're not on as frequently as we are, they can always come in. The Real Nerds door is always open. And as long as Brad's willing to edit and put them up, I will always produce Real Nerds Podcast because it's easy for me. Oh, man, I have to go see a movie and then talk about it with my friends. Oh, you're so brave. I know. Thank you. If I only had the strength. <laughs> and then every once in a while you get something like weird where you go to this. I didn't even know it was a U.S. premiere of it. But, you know, we get Hawaiian shirts and Weird Al wigs. And I look like uh, Lou Albino, who was, who <laughs> was in, the Super, yeah, in the Super Mario show. Um, that's how he said Mario. He said Mario. It was really weird. And, and, and Toad in it had a Brooklyn accent. He's always like, yo, Mario, what's up with this Mushroom Kingdom, yo? It's really weird. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, so you never know what's going to happen. You never know what doors are going to open. The point is, ask. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Don't, don't, don't cry, Malia. It's okay. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> 2012, banner year for the real nerds. Yes. Yeah. Really started taking off this year. Yeah. Yeah, it's actually it's kind of weird thinking about how much has changed in ten years. I, right. Ten, well, I, I don't. I don't think about. I don't think about the darker. I think about the darker stuff every day, but it's not. Like it, it's more just interesting to kind of look at it through the lens of what's going on now and just. 
being happy that yeah, things it, are on a higher plane. But there were times, there were happy times as well as the sad times that you mentioned that I experienced as well as what you guys experienced. Like that we've had happy times intermixed with them. Like there's a movie on here that was a celebration point for all of us in this room, regardless of where it is on our list. I know that for a fact. Um, yeah, and like, like I said, it, it, there's a tragedy, but it's what do you do with that tragedy? Mm-hmm. Um, it's to continue because that's what people would want us to do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, we don't want the terrorists to win. No, no. no. Um, the show must go on is the old adage. And it, it, it sucks, but we become stronger through our pain and build relationships through our love. So we just got to keep going. Yeah. You guys even think I was that deep, did you? Oh, I knew you were that deep. I just thought you I know, saved I always it. Play this, I thought you saved it for Bally's. Right so yeah. I, thought you I, saved I have that a teleprompter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I, you know, it's always funny because, you know, in our show, I do play this egotistical piece of shit. And you can see, really see me in action if you uh, go to our YouTube channel and watch Real Nerds Pod Show. Oh, mm-hmm. man, that's next um, year's anniversary. Yeah, that's coming up. Um, we should really do a 10th anniversary Blu-ray. I, I can testify to you not being an egotistical piece of shit because I have a few episodes of Ballyhoo. Oh, where you're not don't ever bring that up. Don't ever bring up my sentimental side and how much I care about Paul Robeson. Here's the thing. We need to start this fucking film explosion. All righty. I know. We're already 30 minutes in and we haven't uh, I'm sorry. This year gets movie. me really sentimental because... It's, hey, man. It's it all me- good. We're it means a lot and, to me. We're it's here a- to listen and then listen to the movies we like. Yeah. It's an important year for us. So Yeah. yeah. Um, Great lead-in. Thanks. Horse fucking. There. Now Ooh. we can move on. Oh, thank God. No, it feels like the normal show again. How long has it been? <laughs> um, so, again, it just it's uh, Zach, myself, and then Brad will go. We do 10 favorite films. We'll play the trailer. We won't play them twice. Um, so, and hopefully, Brad, there's going to be some um, sweeps, and we can see what Brad did for that. Um, yeah. Uh, I hope you enjoy the show. And we got a lot of lists this time. So... Um, stay tuned to the on the show because our fans have written in and one of their voices heard. And and we have a brand new person who sent in a list. Well, she's not new, but she's new to sending in a list. So we'll get to hear someone else's voice for the first time through our voice. We're going to be speak. We're going to be. Yep. Zach, what's your uh, <laughs> tenth favorite film of 2012? All right. This actually this list was actually tough. Because there was, there were films that I didn't uh, want to omit, and there were films that I wanted to add. But because I didn't want to get rid of some of them, I had to compromise and put some a little bit more at the bottom. So my number ten doesn't constitute its quality; it just constitutes where it had to go in order to get other stuff on the list. But it is one of the best horror films made within the last ten years, and here it is. Everybody ready? Doesn't even show up on the GPS. It's unworthy of global positioning. That's the whole point. Get off the grid, right? Hello? I'm thinking this thing doesn't take credit cards. Sign says closed. We're looking for, uh, what's it called? Tillerman Road. Not to get you there. Getting back. That's your concern. Oh, this is awesome. Whoa, no way. (laughs) 
Bloods have passed to the gate. They are come to the killing floor. Get this party started! I seriously believe something weird is going on. Stay together. This isn't right. We should split up. Yeah, good idea. Really? We gotta get out of here. Somebody sent those things here to get us. You're missing the point. They want to see us punished. So yeah, my number 10 is Cabin in the Woods. Um, yeah. Directed by Drew Goddard. Written by Senor Whedon and Goddard. Um, yeah, I I remember working in a movie theater around the time that the film finally came out, but I was there when the movie started getting posters and started getting release dates established and then taken away because this was when MGM was in a big fucking downturn. Um with only Bond to save it, or was it UA that had this one? It was it was somewhere. It was either UA or MGM. One of those two had it, and then they lost control of their company. So Lionsgate had to pick this up. And um, when we, when I finally got to see it, uh, I was blown away by how intelligent it was in handling this slasher trope of teenagers going to a cabin that you've seen hundreds and hundreds of times before. And then adding this meta god complex of like a, like this Truman Show aspect to everything, where it's it's all centered around spoiler alert sacrificing for another year. Um, in a in a weird way, Ryan, it's doing the cult of Thorn thing from Michael Myers, but intelligently and not applying it somewhere where it doesn't belong. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh. And the performances are all solid. It's Chris Hemsworth bef- uh, the year after Thor, but it would have been in the same year. So you're seeing him play around in a role that isn't what he's become known for at this point. Um, you've got Richard Jenkins in here playing one of the control panelists. And um, I think it's, um, is it Bradley Whitford in there yep. as well? Yeah. So then two uh, icons who would then go on to star in 2017 icons of either horror or monster film fame. Uh, so it's just, a, it's a nice little treat of a movie and the, the ending is phenomenal where they decide to say, fuck it is just absolutely amazing. So if anybody, all all the monsters are great and uh, the payoff of the merman is awesome. Oh, and an impalement by a unicorn. I I I never seeing this in the theater and people cheering at that part and going crazy. It's like, what the flying fuck is this movie? That was my first thought was like, what the fuck are we watching? And then I'm like, no, 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 you just accept this for what it is. It's perfect. Um, so yeah, if anybody's never seen it, you need to check out Cabin in the Woods like yesterday. It's it's great. Uh, my number 10 is also a sci-fi horror film. This is a great director going back to a franchise he started. 
king has his reign. civilizations that were separated by centuries and yet this same pictogram was discovered in every one of them you're smiling i think they want us to come and find them we're all here because of a map you two kids found in a cave not a map an invitation from whom please tell me you can read that Prometheus, are you seeing this? Whatever that probe is picking up, it's reading life form. What do you mean a life form? Oh, the head. They're changing. Changing into what? It's moving. These things moving. What is that? There's a ship. Leaving. To go where? Earth. We were so wrong. Take us home! If you don't stop it, there won't be any home to go back to. Where's that door open? Got it out! My number 10 is Ridley Scott's Prometheus. Um, a sneaky prequel. Is James here or something? Yeah. <laughs> uh, a sneaky prequel to the Alien franchise? Sneakwell. Sneakwell. Um, yeah, it's it's a story about them finding the beginning of civilization and the they go out and explore on this planet and they find more than they bargained for. And then the horror happens. And I always thought it was shot really well. Um, it's a lot better than people remember it being. I think people are unfairly harsh to this film. Mm-hmm. And uh, Michael Fassbender as Mike. Michael, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Magneto. Yep, there we go. Um, he's great in it as the droid. And, uh, yeah, it's just it's very suspenseful. It's, I think it's a beautiful film. You get the UHD on it; it's stunning. Um, I feel like my estimation of it got bigger after watching Alien Covenant, because I, I think Alien Covenant's okay, but it made me appreciate how Prometheus was trying to stand on its own two legs. Yeah, it's an interesting story mm-hmm. about really the birth of human, and obviously fictional, but it's it's cool, and I think everybody should check it out, and it's a good film. And since I got no response from uh, the crowd, I guess uh, I'm the only one who likes it. I haven't seen it since the theater, so I don't know what to tell you. S- similar to me, but like I, I do think about it. Like, 
it keeps growing in my mind. I didn't like it when it first came out. It would have never made my top 10 list. They had better shot this time around than it did 10 years ago because it did. It is one of those cool original sci-fi concepts that still ties into a previous franchise that does that does work on its own merits. Brad, number 10. My number 10 was not on my list the first time around. Uh, Some of the stuff dropped off. So the wealth of films that could have filled the spot, uh, it jumped up to the top and I'm looking forward to seeing it again. Come on down to the grand reopening of the Swallow Valley Mall. I'll be there. My best friend Tim Heidecker will be there. You're going to like what you see. Ooh, you're going to like the fake trees. Ooh, you're going to like all our new stores. Ooh, you're going to like meeting my new son, Jeffrey. Come on down to the grand reopening of the Swallow Valley Mall. My dad told me this is the coolest mall ever. You think you know more than my dad? Don't come then. It's the grand reopening of the Swallow Valley Mall. It's just off Route 35 right here in historic Swallow Valley. In 2012, I've been meaning to tell you this all night, but I love you, man. I love our friendship. Thank you, I honor you, and I honor our friendship, and I honor our love. Two of America's most celebrated icons. Hi, I'm Eric Wareheim. And I'm Tim Heidecker. Oh, yeah! Present a motion picture so epic. I want to eat the heart! Yeah! Yes, yes! It will leave you in shock. Breathe. It's got action. Government, stand down! It's got romance. Hi, Eric Wareheim, I love you. Start again. Hi, I'm Eric Wareheim, very in love with you. Okay. It's got drama. You're in a very bad place. Now drop those pants. It's got special effects. Ah! It's got stars. Oh, how nice. Hi, hi, hi. Chef Goldblum. Taquito! It's got shrimp. Shrimp! 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 Sounds like shrimp. Tim and Eric's billion dollar movie. That's it. That's our movie. I paid a billion dollars for that piece of shit. Oh, yeah! Yeah, so my number 10 is Tim and Eric's billion dollar movie. Uh, have not seen it in a long time, and uh, I, I'm trying to find a copy of it. Yo, so you I can't have it on Blu ray? I don't. I, I missed out on it. Oh, shit. Um, I'm, I'm sure it's in a used store somewhere, but still, it's tough to track down. Um, yeah, I, I remember being a lot pretty funny, and uh, yeah, we saw it together, um, like one of the few people <laughs> yeah. who came out for it, and uh, I always remember like the wolf chasing <laughs> through the, the mall as like, being my f- like favorite part of it, um, but yeah, again, I don't remember a ton of it, but I just remember it being fun, and and uh, good enough to be my my tenth <laughs> on the list. I, you know, watching the trailer again, I was like, "Yeah, this movie is pretty great," in a like a really subverse kind of way. It, it's a lot like Tim and Eric's everything they do, where not everything lands, but the stuff that lands is really great. Mm-hmm. And the people they surround themselves with are geniuses. Whether it's uh, you know, their their whole like uh, John C. Riley and. Uh, Will Ferrell and Adam Will McKay Forte and, and Will Forte. 
I mean, they're all Jeff like, Goldblum, Chef yeah, Goldblum. They're all in the same. I don't know, like troop, I guess, but like trope, they. But they all get the joke, and that's why when I saw that Check It Out, I found the DVD at Second and Charles. I totally bought it because it seems like it's a show that they would take off HBO Max. Um, and, you know, it, just the humor, you, you either get it or you don't Yeah, because it's, it's so bizarre. It's so weird, and that's one of the reasons I like it. There is cerebral humor. It's got the same appeal base that might have gotten into Monty Python in the 70s. It's, it's, it's a great show. Yeah, and I haven't, I haven't really watched their Adult Swim show, so... I mean, I watched Tom Goes the Mayor uh, a bunch when it came out, but yeah, there was a show I, n- I never really got into, but yeah, the movie was fantastic, so. Hell yeah. I'm uh, going to watch it again soon so I can get it. So that's my <laughs> number 10, Tim and Eric's Billion Dollar Movie. Zach, number nine. All right. My number nine is a biopic that isn't amazing, but it was instrumental in me making some decisions in my life a few years ago. So here it is. All of us harbor dark recesses of violence and horror. I'm just a man hiding in the corner with a camera, watching. Mr. Hitchcock, you're the most famous director in the history of the medium, but you're 60 years old. Shouldn't you just quit while you're ahead? This is murder. I'm getting blisters just watching you. He's going out of his mind looking for his next project. I need something fresh, something different. It was the knife that, a moment later, cut off her scream and her head. Charming. Doris Day should do it as a musical. Good afternoon. This book, Psycho, is fiendishly entertaining. Is this really going to be your next picture? Yes, madam. By the way, try the finger sandwiches. They're real fingers. No one respects the name Hitchcock more than Paramount. But even a talented man sometimes backs the wrong horse. This is Mr. Hitchcock's next film. Fine, if you can get the money. Who do I make it out to? Well, are we going to have to sell the whole house or just the pool? You are intrigued, aren't you? Killing off your leading lady halfway through the movie. How are you going to shoot this shower scene? It's only that... Well, from here up, I'm not exactly boyish. You shouldn't wait till halfway through. Kill her off after 30 minutes. Wow. Why are you letting him do something so tasteless? Don't upset yourself, darling. It's only a bloody movie. More anger! More! Married to a man obsessed by murder. This will not be released in this country. Show me some damn footage now! I'm under extraordinary pressures on this picture, and the least you could do is give me your full support. We've mortgaged our house! I am your wife. I celebrate with you when the reviews are good, I cry for you when they are bad, and I put up with those people who look through me as if I were invisible, because all they can see is the great and glorious genius Alfred Hitchcock. Promised mother, I wouldn't tell. Oh, you imp, you've got nudity in there. Well, her breasts were rather large. It was a challenge not to show them. Uh, so, yeah, my number nine is Hitchcock. Um, Sasha Javarzi's uh, adaptation of the book Alfred Hitchcock and the Making of Psycho by Stephen Ribello. Um, this movie's not extremely, like, it's not a poignant groundbreaking 
film by any stretch from a filmmaking standpoint. It's like not hitting the heights of an actual Hitchcock picture. Um, but it, it's it's filled with a lot of wonderful Hollywood goodness about it. Um, it's It's got the right amount of cheese for a biopic that might have actually come out in the 50s. So it's actually kind of appropriate uh, given the time frame that we're dealing with. Um, but the real thing about this film that still stands out for me 10 years later and why I had to put it on my list now, whereas it wasn't here last time, because I didn't see this until Blu-ray, um, is Helen Mirren as Alma Revel, Hitchcock, um, Hitchcock's wife. Um, Alma's story is not talked about the way Hitchcock himself is talked about, even though she is the constant character in the story of Hitchcock. And so the fact that somebody went out and made a movie that really gives Alma Revel a place to shine um, in a way that history never really gave her that same spot is very nice. Now, granted, Alma never really wanted that attention, but she's instrumental for some of the biggest decisions in Hollywood history, specifically when it comes to her husband's career, as well as being an editor and screenwriter and assistant director in her own right in Britain and in America. Um, so I think that that's where the strength of the film lies. And Anthony Hopkins is good, but the performance you're watching is you're watching Helen Mirren play the wife of a man who is very problematic in a lot of respects, which is it's, it's all these reasons and more that I ended up like becoming reacquainted with Hitchcock in film school and kept going with him even after I'd kind of like taken a little break after high school and just really embracing my love of Hitch and then eventually doing that podcast series that I won't mention here. Um, so it's 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 been a nice comfort food spot to do is go back to that movie and remind myself why I like talking about Hollywood history. It's because sometimes a movie comes along like this that reminds you of like the smaller details but also embraces the larger populist picture, of, which is the making of Psycho. And it gets pretty much everything about the making of Psycho correct. It's pretty damn accurate to its to its degree. Um, and there's fun cameos like Ralph Macchio plays Joseph Stefano, the writer of Psycho, and it's kind of fun watching him like struggle with a mother complex in one scene. <laughs> um, and uh, you've got uh, James D'Arcy playing uh, 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 Anthony Perkins. You've got Scarlett Johansson killing it as Janet Lee. Jessica Biel's Vera Miles, like everybody's on their A game. Danny Houston's fucking amazing in the film. So yeah, it's it's a good quaint little biopic. It doesn't fully express the amount of Hitchcock problems that exist, but it does address that he wasn't a saint, and that's a wonderful balanced structure to have for the film. Um, so yeah, if you're looking for like a quaint little biopic just for fun, but not necessarily to like dig deeper into his psyche. This is a fun enough film. Um, it's not perfect, but it's a it's an enjoyable little popcorn film. So yeah, my number nine, Hitchcock. Yeah, it's okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, you know, I, it never really uh, moved me. I know James liked it. I think it was on James's list, if I remember correctly. Um, yeah, but yeah, the, I mean, the acting in it's really great. Helen Mirren is always great in everything she does. I think the best way to sell it is just to, it's her movie. Yeah, it really is her film. Uh, my number nine is a favorite of mine and my household. Um, yeah, it's it's just a fun film, and man, I think I'm I'm, I'm gonna wreck it. 
My name's Wreck-It Ralph. I'm gonna wreck it! 30 years I've been doing this. I can fix it! It's hard to love your job when no one else seems to like you for doing it. You're just the bad guy who wrecks the building. Ah! <gasps> I'm okay. I'm okay. If I'm really honest with myself, Sure must be nice being the good guy. Ralph, you are bad guy. But this does not mean you're bad guy. I don't want to be the bad guy anymore. Ralph abandoned his game. Welcome to Game Central Station. Bad guy coming. Everything changes now. Where's Ralph? Oh, sorry, Cubert. It's me, Ralph. Ralph's gone to hero's duty? Fear is a four-letter word, ladies. You want to go pee-pee in your big boy slacks, keep it to yourself. Hi, mister. You're not from here, are you? Sugar Rush? You're game jumping? Hey! Aha! You wouldn't hit a guy with glasses, would you? Aha! You hit a guy with glasses. That's, that's well played. Without Ralph, we're doomed. They're gonna pull our plug. Ah! What's that? A medal. I earned it in Hero's Duty. It's not that kind of duty. I bet you're really gonna watch where you step in a game called Hero's Duty. <laughs> Some nights I stay up cashing in my bed. We can't change who we are. You can't mess with the program, Ralph. <laughs> Everyone here says I'm just a mistake. You ready for this? What do I stand for? Not leaving you here alone. Let's close out with the bad guy affirmation. I am bad. Ah! And that's, that's good. good. I will never be good. good. No, 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 and that's, that's not bad. All that thought. There's, There's no one I'd rather be than me. Why do I fix everything I touch? It's make your mama's proud time. I love my mama. Oh, good. The cops. Hold still. Ow! Take that. What are you doing? game at a time, Ralph. Uh, my number nine is Wreck-It Ralph. Uh, being a video game fan, uh, there's a lot of things in here I enjoy. It's also about uh, people's expectations of who you are and changing them because it starts as a journey for Ralph not wanting to be a villain anymore and it goes to Sugar Rush where he uh, meets a young girl named Vanellope and she's a glitch in the game and she thinks she's different but she's not she we need to embrace how we're different and celebrate it uh i love alan tudyk in it you can't even tell that it's him uh he plays the mayor of sugar rush mm -hmm. who is actually the bad guy um in a, yeah in a, yeah bro in yeah, a in a, in a in a great ed ed, ed win impression by the way yeah yeah totally and it's just, it's a really heartfelt film. The animation in it is incredible. Um, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, you know, it's, he's in a game called Wreck-It Ralph. It's kind of a homage to Donkey Kong. And you see so many of your favorite video game characters. And I mean, they have Kano from Mortal Kombat's in it. Yeah, Zangie um, from Street Fighter. Yeah. Bowser's in it. Yeah, Sonic. Uh, you, I mean, even you, in the thing, Qbert, you can count so many. Beer, uh, Tapper. How yep. do you uh, how do you account for them being able to wrangle that much IP? Like um, even, even in the early Disney years of them taking you know, everything. I always attribute it to how they got 
you know, stuff for Roger Rabbit, you know, you, you're going to put them all on the screen for the same amount of time mm-hmm. and you're not really making fun of anybody. You're just, I mean, those guys are all bad guys. So Bison and Zangief and Kano and Bowser and all those people in, you know, the villain uh, 12-step program. Yeah, like Villanon. Yeah. Adonon. They, uh, it's just a fun movie. And it's uh, my my little boy loves it. And I loved it when it came out. And when you watch it again through the eyes of your son or kid and you watch it again and their wonderment and their love for it, then it just makes you appreciate the movie that much more. And um, yeah, and it has a great message just because you're a glitch doesn't mean you're wrong or you're bad. It's just who you are and embrace it because at the end Vanellope uses her glitchiness to win. And what some people see as a hindrance is actually what makes her special. So yeah, Wreck-It Ralph number nine. Brad? Uh, my number nine is um, a cool sci-fi circular story. So you're me in 30 years. Sun's down into your eyes. It's too strange. And your face looks backwards. Do you know what's gonna happen? You done all this already? As me? I don't want to talk about time travel. We both know how this has to go down. So why don't you do what old men do and die? Why don't you just take your little gun out between your legs and do it? Boy. Time travel is outlawed, used only in secret by the largest criminal organizations. When they need someone gone and they want to erase any trace of the target ever existing, they use specialized assassins like me, called loopers. You're a looper. You know what we do? And the only rule is never let your target escape, even if your target. Is you. This is not a good thing. My boss will be searching for me until he finds me. Sweep the streets. Get on it. I'm gonna fix this! I'm gonna find it! I'm gonna kill it! Hunt them down. But every second that passes is bad. What's he gonna do? I'm gonna save your life. My life! Your life! I know you're not lying when you say you're gonna kill this guy. Yes, it's a tag team review. My number nine and Zach's number eight is Looper. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, some nobody named Ryan Johnson. Uh, wrote <laughs> sounds sounds this, like a guy who should never touch Star Wars. <laughs> uh, wrote this sci-fi um, story that 
has Bruce Willis uh, fighting against his younger self um, and trying to right the wrongs of the past mm-hmm. um, and discovering, um, you know, the trailer doesn't show you. There's there's this subplot with, uh, I guess, a metahuman mm-hmm. um, that uh, is, is pretty interesting. And, uh, yeah, it's just really creative and um, mind-bendy. Uh, and Emily Blunt's in it. Emily Blunt's in it, for sure. Um, mm-hmm. Also a bit of a metahuman. Jeff Daniels is in it. Jeff Daniels is in it. Um, and yeah, there's a lot of just creativity going on in there. And Yeah, the premise is cool. It's about these guys go uh, are sent people. They're like, yeah, the future hitmen. Yeah, mm-hmm. to kill them so they don't affect their lives or I don't know how you would say it. but Look, they, To close the loop yeah. um, of their lives. So it's always uh, creepy that one guy who like skipped out and he starts falling apart pieces because that's paul dano right yeah yep um yeah um just cool head trip type sci-fi thing and yeah yeah. you know the metahuman thing doesn't even come into play till about two-thirds through the movie yeah uh well i mean it's always hinted at but then it's basically an attack at the end of the film that kind of yeah sets everything in motion it's also another loop um because everyone's running from that character in the future yeah, and uh, exists in the past. And yeah, it's, it's cool. It's really messes with your head. Yeah. Yeah. I, I put it on here primarily for those reasons, but also performance level. Like this is one of two Bruce Willis films on my list. And this was, I don't like being mean, but this is the last year he was good at anything. <laughs> Damn dude. Um, I mean, he, we're gonna, he can't even say anything to defend himself. No, it, it's that's that's not that's not how I'm trying to imply it. It's more just like there's a certain, yeah, there's a certain point after this year where he just devolves into just really not giving a shit. And I know he's going through health problems, so it's not I'm not trying to be an asshole about it. But this performance and the other one, you can tell he gives a shit about the material, or at least he was kind enough to not be a dick to Brian Johnson on set, um, that I know of. Um, but Joseph Gordon-Levitt is fantastic in it, doing kind of like a sort of take on Bruce Willis as a younger man, but he's not really doing Bruce Willis as a young man. They're just trying to do that with the makeup. But, like, their characteristics match. Um, he's giving his all as the younger version of, of Bruce Willis, and I think that everybody's playing a really well play, playing to a well-oiled machine. I think Jeff Daniels is an excellent villain in this movie, or, like sort of villain like he's not he's like the he's the mafia boss essentially so you know he's gonna be a piece of shit and he handles that beautifully emily blunt's fantastic and i think it's just an example of how well ryan johnson works with a cast no matter what you think of the story of the film or the pacing or the timing or whatever the cast and how he works with his cast and his actors to interact with each other is always dynamite 100 percent of the time it is dynamite um and so this is just one another one of those strong examples. And I know I made a joke about a Star Wars movie earlier, but this is one of the ways that you convince somebody to give him a Star Wars job and for him to do a damn good job of it. Of it. So he handles sci-fi and its concepts very well. It's almost as if he's intelligent and born to do this. So, um, But yeah, so that's why I picked it. Does it show up on your list, Ryan? Uh, yeah. Okay. Like super later. Gotcha. Oh, so there was a, this was a sweeper too. Okay. Oops, forgot to put that graphic in there. Um, yeah. So I just posted what uh, Zach said about Bruce Willis on Twitter, and nice. Uh, Zach just got canceled. Okay. Badoom. No, oh, cool. 
All right. Well, I haven't gotten any notifications yet. So. My phone is blowing up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my number eight is the end of one journey and the beginning of another one. There's a storm coming. You sound like you're looking forward to it. I'm adaptable. What are you? I'm Gotham's reckoning. about getting into cars with strange men. This isn't a car. Uh, my number eight is The Dark Knight Rises, the end trilogy of Brad uh, says he's going to gouge out my eyes. Um, <laughs> no, uh, it's uh, the... Final part in Christian Bale's and Christopher Nolan's journey through the Dark Knight. Uh, it's an interesting film where Batman's on the run, or he kind of goes away at the end of the Dark Knight because he takes the fall for Harvey Dent. So, because he realizes that the city couldn't handle Harvey Dent being a bad guy, so Batman can be the bad guy in this, in that instance. And how is it? Eight years later is in the story. Seven. Seven. And it's about him trying to move on, but a new threat of Bane and Talia al Ghul pokes their head up and kind of sucks Bruce Wayne back into being Batman. And he has to be reborn through, quote unquote, the Lazarus pit after he's broken by Bane. Um, and Bane takes the whole city of Gotham hostage. And it, it's an interesting performance because... I think a lot of people aren't familiar with Bane when this film came out. They only were familiar with him from the Batman and Robin, and he's horrible in that. That's not even, you know, who he is. He's this what are you mind- talking about? He was super accurate to the comics. <laughs> it, you know, in Batman and Robin, he's this mindless monster. In the comics, he's smarter than Batman. 
and stronger too. So that's kind of his thing. And this film kind of exploits that in him, that he is physically imposing and also uh, mentally imposing as well. Um, Anne Hathaway is Catwoman. Selena Kyle is really good. Um, yeah, and it's just the end. And they kind of give Batman the send-off. Um, does he die 10 years later? I'm going to spoil it for you. No. Batman kind of uh, just retires to Italy and lives his quiet life and while Alfred gives him a nod and a wink. Mm-hmm. But don't worry. Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who is, uh, who is Robin, That's right. will take over the mantle. Back-to-back Joseph Gordon-Levitt movies. Yeah. It's Joe Gotastic in here. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, that's my number eight. The Dark Knight Rises. And you all can kiss my ass. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, my number eight is a indie film. Boo. That, Yay. Uh, <laughs> um, I guess, uh, um, shoot. I got. I had one of those thoughts where, like, as I was talking, I remembered something, because um, that I was trying to remember earlier, and, and yeah, I figured it out. But anyway, yeah, my number eight is an indie film that uh, we were inter- introduced to at a film festival. They can take our bones and bury them deep under the river, but we'll still be together, and we cannot be defeated. They can take our trombones pack them down there with us but no matter how long it takes us we will not be defeated when we dance we dance together under the moon and under the weather we will lock our eyes forever and I want to sleep in a house, in a bed, like a real human. You need to wake up and realize this is how it is out here now. Nobody's going to flip the switch back on. Get off! Yeah, uh, my number eight, it, yeah, eight, uh, is The Battery, uh, which we met the filmmakers at our first film festival excursion as a podcast. Uh, I mean, there's probably a great interview at, on realnerdspodcast.com you could listen to. There is. Um, and yeah, they debuted their film, The Battery, this film, about uh, two friends who are just trying to survive the zombie apocalypse, um, wandering through the countryside, just existing and trying to get, you know, live their lives day by day not knowing not having any future to look forward to Um, yeah and it's it's the the horror i mean the zombies are in it but the horror really comes from surviving 
and being stuck with the same person. The battery refers to the pitcher and the catcher in a baseball game is called the battery. And they're former teammates that are stuck with each other to live this life of solitude in a zombie um, apocalypse. And it, it's a really interesting film. And uh, what is it? Is it a 10 or 12 minute take? Yeah. At the, the end the final, final scene. Yeah. yeah I think it was like a 10, 12 minute. Yeah. Single take. It's pretty impressive. And you know, when you get films like this, that, um, that kind of come out of nowhere and, you know, we're, we're, when we're fortunate enough to do tell your ride and horror show, and you see a lot of films and not they're all creative, but they're all not maybe structurally sound or mm-hmm. whatever. This film is very well put together. In fact, it's so well put together that my favorite imprint of Blu-rays put them out on Scream Factory and they have a whole Blu-ray about it. And, yeah, you really should listen to our interview with them, not because we're on it, but to listen to them talk about how they made it, because it's really just three of them. Um, he's not in the film, but they're director of photography Stella is there and he talks about the cameras he used and the limitations they had and they've gone on to do other stuff too and it's all pretty good as well yeah so my number eight the battery check it out my number seven yep my number seven is a incredibly powerful rich and moving french film that everyone should see You know how to pop lock? Pass it over. Take it back. You got it. Oh, Oh God, I'm so sorry. No, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm John. I'm Lori. I really don't. Oh, 35 man. years old and you're still scared of a little thunder. I am not. <laughs> thunder buddies for life, right, Johnny? Fucking right. All right, come on, let's sing the thunder song. All right. When you hear the sound of thunder, don't you get too scared. Just grab your thunder buddy and say these magic words. Fuck you, thunder. You can suck my dick. You can't get me thunder because you're just God's fight. <sighs> I'm taking Lauren to dinner. You don't think she's going to be expecting something big, do you? What, like anal? No, like a fucking circular gold thing on the finger. Oh, fuck that. It's, it's been four years, Johnny. You and me have been together for 27 years. Where's my ring? Huh? Where's my ring, asshole? Stop. Where's my ring, motherfucker? Come on. Put it on my fuzzy Jesus finger, Christ. you fuck. All right. Come on. All right, all saying this because I love you. If you please ask Ted to move out so we can move on with our lives. I'm not that psyched to just like kick him out. I met a girl. She's a cashier. No way. That's awesome. How you like me now? <laughs> How you like me now? Okay. All right. So that's where we'll draw the line. Well, what's the name? White trash name. Yes. Mandy. Nope. Marilyn. Nope. Brittany. Nope. Tiffany. Nope. Candace. Nope. 
Don't fuck with me on this. I'm I know not, this shit. You see me fucking with you? I'm not, All right, speed round. I'm going to rattle off some names, and when I hit you it, fucking it. buzz it, okay? I will tell you. You got me? Yeah. All right, Brandy, Heather, Channing, Brianna, Amber, Sabrina, Melody, Dakota, Sierra, Bambi, Crystal, Samantha, Autumn, Ruby, Taylor, Tara, Tammy, Lauren, Charlene, Chantel, Courtney, Misty, Jenny, Krista, Mindy, Noel, Shelby, Trina, Reba, Cassandra, Nikki, Kelsey, Shauna, Jolene, Erling, Claudine, Savannah, Casey, Dolly, Kendra, Kali, Chloe, Devin, Emily, fucking Becky? Nope. Wait, was it any one of those names with a Lynn after it? Yes. Okay. Brandy Lynn, Heather Lynn, Chan Tammy Lynn. Fuck! How you like me now? 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 It is a French film because people ought to pardon their French in that movie. <laughs> yes. Uh, my number seven is Ted. Um, I I don't keep up with Family Guy the way I used to, but I you do. I know I'm I'm not as cool as you. I, I admit it, um, but I was still very deep into Family Guy at this point <clears throat> and Seth MacFarlane's work with American Dad and even Cleveland Show. And um, uh, the, when this movie was coming out, it was it was actually like kind of wonderful to be like, oh, cool, let's see what he can do as a feature film director. And it's kind of wonderful to see that Seth MacFarlane is not only a pretty talented director, but is the kind of director who creates some kind of golden age Hollywood scope that one would expect him to given all the references he puts into family guy, especially with the road episodes. Um, but at the heart of it, it's just that wonderful story about a guy and his talking teddy bear friend who has lived with him for the past, what, 20 something years. Um, and, uh, just this story about growing up and moving on with, from, from childish, childish things. I, 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 I don't like Ted too, because it undercuts this first movie. By basically tossing the Mila Kunis character out out to pasture, because um, it kind of undercuts the point of the first movie. But that this film still holds a lot of cachet and power for me. Like it's it's a very funny movie. Um, it's McFarlane just giving his A game with that Rhode Island Boston accent. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and Mark Wahlberg is killing it. He plays off of McFarlane really well. <coughs> Excuse me, and um, and to watch how they made it and how they were uh, doing the motion capture live on set so that you could see the interaction and how it was framed was pretty wonderful to watch the behind the scenes featurettes on this. So, if you haven't seen Ted, you should watch Ted. Um, I still want to see Seth MacFarlane direct another movie. Uh, I would love to watch him work in the live action realm again because I like A Million Ways to Die in the West. I don't think it's it's completely disposable. So. Yeah, the the special effects hold up really well still. I yeah, mean, Ted looks great. Oh yeah, absolutely. I know they're doing a show, a Ted show, um, coming soon to Peacock. I think it is. So um, I'll be curious to see how that happens. So the uh, TedIsReal dot com uh, is still active. Oh really? <laughs> nice. it, it just takes you to Universal, and it's just you know the movie synopsis. <laughs> Are you just checking all the websites to see if they still work? That one, yeah. Okay, cool. Why not? <laughs> yeah, right on. But yeah, uh, my number seven is a repeat, you fucking pieces of shit. It's Looper. Um, yeah, I really like Looper. Yeah, we've already talked about it, but it's just a cool story. Uh, I, I heard that Ryan Johnson's going to go places. Um, he has a really distinct voice, and I think he makes really fun films. And yeah, it's cool. Mm -hmm. Brad, number seven. Um, yeah. Uh Call me Chicken Little, because I think the sky is falling on this one. It's gone. 
You both know what's at stake here. There isn't much road left. Take the bloody shot. What do you say about a man like that? Three months ago, you lost the drive containing the identity of every agent embedded in terrorist organizations across the globe. 007 reporting for duty. Where the hell have you been? Enjoying death. I only have one question. Why not stay dead? There's no shame in saying you've lost a step. targeting her. They wanted her to see it. Welcome to the new MI6. I'm your quartermaster. You must be joking. Also PPKS 9mm short. It's been coded to your palm print, so only you can fire it. Less of a random killing machine, more of a personal statement. Q. 007. I want to meet your employer. How much do you know about fear? All there is. A lot like this. Not like him. Just look at you, chasing spies. England, and my sex. She sent you after me, knowing you're not ready, knowing you would likely die. Mommy was very bad. The two survivors, this is what she made us. Everybody needs a hobby. So what's yours? Resurrection. My number seven is Skyfall. Yeah, Skyfall's awesome. Yeah. Which you'll find out later. It's uh, one of the, the two best of the uh, Daniel Craig era. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the action's great. The story's interesting. Um, uh, what's your favorite from the Daniel Craig era? Yeah, it's a toss-up. Like, I, Casino Royale and this, um, I think, are way above the other three. Yeah. Um, and then, God, I'm blanking on his name right now, the villain. Well, Silva's the villain, but the actor. Okay. Javier Bardem. Javier Bardem, yeah, like, definitely brings out his creepy. And uh, you know, he's playing a uh, forgotten or abandoned uh, MI agent. Um, so the past has, once again, come back to haunt James Bond and M. And uh, Bond has to come out of retirement yet again. <laughs> uh, or uh, uh, ex- exclusion? Reclusion? Yeah. Because um, I, I believe they knew he was alive. They just weren't advertising it, right? Yeah. They're just yeah. like he's a ghost now at this point. Yeah, he's a ghost. Yeah. Um, which is a very similar uh, thing for um, e- Ethan <laughs> Hunt. Um, but, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's, just, it's a great story, great action. Um, great cinematography. Yeah. Uh, just gorgeous-looking film. So, yeah, my number seven is Skyfall. Question, because I can't remember the lineup right now, so maybe I'm a bad historian, but did you guys go opening weekend to it? Probably. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. So I waited. 
about two months before finally seeing this because Quantum of Solace kind of just made me throw my hands up in the air. <laughs> so I saw this in like the smallest theater you could possibly see it. And I was just like, what the fuck? Why wasn't this good with Quantum of Solace? What the fuck? So I it, am dumb. Yeah, I, I did. Yeah, no, I, I, well, I say that now every day in the mirror because of this movie. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it didn't make my list, but it came close because it is like one of the best Bond movies ever fucking made, hands down. Yep. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Zach, number six. All right. Hold on. I can't even remember what I put. <laughs> oh, yeah. My number six is the other Bruce Willis movie on my list. Um, and it also has a lot of symmetry and uh, very quirky humor. And here it is. <clears throat> what kind of bird are you? I'm a sparrow. She's a dog. No, I said. What kind of bird are you? Dear Suji, here's my plan. Dear Sam, my answer is yes. Dear Suji, one. Dear Sam, where? Dear Suji, walk 400 yards due north from your house to the dirt path which has not got any name on it. Turn right and follow to the end. I will meet you in the meadow. Who's missing? Shukuski, you in there? Jiminy Cricket, he flew the coop. Concern you that your daughter has just run away from home? That's a loaded question. Until help arrives, I'm deputizing the little guy, the skinny one, and the boy with the patch on his eye to come with me in the station wagon. What am I looking at? He does watercolors, mostly landscapes, but a few nudes. If we find him, I'm not going to be the one who forgot to bring a weapon. Hmm. Me neither. Where's the boy? I'm told that he's just been struck by lightning. It's true. I'll be out back. I'm going to find a tree to chop down. Yeah, my number six is Moonrise Kingdom. Um, God, I, I... This was the time of like living in 2012. If you wanted to ask me like like who the directors were that I like followed with a passion, and one of them was Wes Anderson, and this came out at the right time to have a Wes Anderson movie out when you're in film school. Um, uh, it's 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 a beautifully cute film. It's like two kids just running off, running away to be together forever, and like what happens when the town and anybody tangentially involved with the kids tries to save them and rescue them, and it's just. One by one, you see all of their individual relationships like being exposed, whether it's Susie's parents or um, Bruce Willis as this kind of middling uh, small town cop. Uh, it's it's just it's just a beautiful looking film with a sweet little heart at its core. Um, that's all I can really say about it. I just I like I like I like it a lot. It's one of those movies that <clears throat> my sister and I align with in terms of this is an art house film that she likes because she's not necessarily art house inclined. So we both kind of jive on Wes Anderson, and this is one of her favorites. So, um, and I do think this is what my is my favorite Bruce Willis performance, one of at least in the top three ever, because it is he is kind of being asked to just kind of be like quiet but res, but controlled, um, and he's not like 
it's not like John McClane. He's not jumping off of a fucking like helicopter in the movie, you know? Um, and uh, this is the first time Edward Norton worked with Anderson, I think. And I'm surprised he didn't work with him from day one because he works so well in his universe. Um, i trying to think if maybe he was a voice in Fantastic Mr. Fox. I might have been. Might, possibly. But anyway, this is at least the first time we definitely see him live and in person in a Wes Anderson film. And uh, he, he nails it, knocks it out of the park. Um, so, yeah, Moonrise Kingdom. If you haven't seen Moonrise Kingdom, Brad will hit you and then I'll hit you back uh, twice. I don't know. Nobody's going to hit anybody. That's not true. Um, you know what I love about Wes Anderson films is he's one of the few directors you can either – close your eyes or cover your ears and know you're watching a Wes Anderson film mm-hmm. is the dialogue and the way he frames shots are so unique that he is probably the most unique voice in cinema. Um, and his films are just uh, always a joy. Um, they might not always make my list, but I always enjoy watching them. Yeah. Yeah. Like I liked French dispatch, even though it didn't make my list last year. Like, it was still fun to watch. Uh, So my number six is uh, much like Zach had a French film. This is my French film. Uh Not so slim, Shady. What's up? Holy shit. I haven't seen you since high school. Hey, titty twister. Titty twister. Stop. Stop. You good at this, huh? Yeah. Test results, gentlemen. Such bullshit. You're really good at this. Yeah. Hey, you want to be friends? Fuck yeah, I do. You're ready for a lifetime of being badass motherfuckers. Oh, I am. God, dude, I thought this job would have more car chases and explosions and shit. No fucking way. If we could take them down, we'd be off park duty for sure. You guys, even real cops, look like kids on Halloween. Hey, you want me to beat your dick off? You want to beat my dick off? I think what he was trying to say was he's going to punch you so many times around the genital area that your dick's just going to fall off. Hail the conquering heroes. We got our first bust. Yes! Yes! You forgot to read him his Miranda rights. Do you even know the Miranda rights? <laughs> Look, it obviously starts with, do you have the right to remain an attorney? Did you say you have the right to be an attorney? You do have the right to be an attorney if you want to. We're reviving a canceled undercover police program from the 80s. You idiots are officially transferred. Where do we report? Down on Jump Street. 21 Jump Street. You are here because you some Justin Bieber, Miley Cyrus looking motherfuckers. You will be going in as undercover high school students. Kids are weird these days. What the fuck are those things? You have exceptional muscle tone there, young man. When'd you go through puberty? Like it's seven or something? a new synthetic drug at Sagan High. The mission is find a supplier. I think the dealers are the popular kids. We should start a party. That would be the quickest way to get in with them. Rule number one. Let's go. Don't give nobody no drugs, no alcohol. Are you two throwing a party? There's rumors in the Twitter sphere. I promise you we'll be super professional. All I do is party. Take it here so I know you're cool. Have fun. Are you guys on drugs? I don't like that. Put your tongue back in your mouth. A lot of things that made me wonder about you. Your taste in music. The fact that you look like a fucking 40-year-old man. Let me check out your chest. Check out your test. After that shit you pulled yesterday, there's no way you could be cops, right? Will you go to prom with me? 
Oh, shit. When did I get stabbed? That's awesome. Yeah! Why do you always jump across the car like that? Because it looks cool. You try. Uh, you okay? I think I shit my pants. Uh, this is the movie that inspired you to become a police yes. officer, right? <laughs> uh, number six is 21 Jump Street. It's just a really funny movie. And it's about two guys that are police officers that mess up on the job. So they're given an assignment to find out a new synthetic drug that's being dealt in the high school. And uh, from the time they were in high school to the time they are now, everything's changed where the jock is now not cool and being a nerd is really cool. And um, yeah, it's just a really silly movie. Um, Channing Tatum and Jonah Hill are great in it. They have great chemistry. And I, I love Dave Franco in it because he's just oh, total yeah. douchebag. Um, like the little things of the wallpaper on his computer is him playing ultimate Frisbee. Um, and he's always saying, you know, how cool he is. And I don't know. It's just really silly and funny. Hey, by the way, Ryan, as, a, as an active police officer, do you have the right to remain an attorney? You do. You, you have do. the right to represent yourself. And okay. But you, do, no, I, I, you have the right to one, obviously. But do you have the right to remain one? <laughs> you do have to pass a few tests. <laughs> yes, you do. Well, I mean, not You can't just be one. I, I've, I've, you I know you've talked. yourself in court. You can... I, I love how you love this film, even though you've pointed out that the their whole impetus for being shoved into the Twenty One Jump Street <laughs> program makes no sense. Yeah, I mean it, it, it's it's not true, but it's you know it's what um, people who don't know anything about police work thinks what police do. So that's all right. Yeah. So uh, what part of this movie made you quit your job at Qdoba to go enroll in the police academy? Uh, it was uh, stealing drugs from the evidence <laughs> locker and throwing parties. Um, totally sounds like you. I know it's really what you do. It was getting yelled at by Ice Cube that inspired Yeah, <laughs> He yelled at you on Twitter. <laughs> I do love that scene where he's like, find the supplier. <laughs> and I forget how it goes, but they keep on saying more things. And he's like, find the fucking supplier. Because <laughs> they're too stupid. I think at uh, some, some point of all of our lives, we want the uh, angry captain, police captain to yell at us. I know. Oh, yeah. Um, Ice Cube, Joe Pantiliano, doesn't matter. Last action hero. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey. I'm the captain. I do all the yelling here. <laughs> oh, that, he's uh, he's also the uh, captain in Loaded Weapon One, and he has one of my most favorite lines in any movie ever. Is <laughs> Sam Jackson goes into his office and he says, uh, "I think she was onto something. I think that's what Scott her killed." And he says, "It wasn't. The, you, you don't think it was the bullets?" <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, yeah. Twenty One Jump Street. It's always hard when you have comedies because it's, you know, explain why you love them. You it's funny. Just, yeah. yeah, it's funny. There. <laughs> it make me go ha-ha. Here's my analysis. Scene. Brad, number six. Uh, hey, if it's a movie with robots in it, I'll probably like it. Can I help you find anything? Where is the librarian? Hey, Frank. Hey there. What'll it be? The usual? I'd be more interested in getting your phone number. <laughs> Call from Madison Wells. Maddie, my girl. Hi. Has Hunter been coming around? Dad, you're right in the middle of the road. Look at this place. This is gross. You have a problem. I brought you something. Hi, Frank. You have got to be kidding me. 
That thing is gonna murder me in my sleep. Somebody's gonna murder you in your sleep. Frank, you need a project. Today we're going to start a garden. I'm not gardening. My program's goal is to improve your health. I would rather die eating cheeseburgers than live off steamed cauliflower. This is Jake Finn. He's been filling me in on the plans for the new library. So it's his project. you must remember the days when this library was the only way to learn about the world. Sounds like the same people who stopped coming here want to take away what's yours. They're going to have this fundraiser party thing on Friday, and all the young hoity-toity couples are going to come. Sounds awful. Yeah. Do you want to come with me? Yes. Cool. There they are. Frank, you're so square, you're practically avant-garde. What the hell did you just say to me? <laughs> Look at all the jewels. These people are loaded. You know what stealing is? I don't have any thoughts on that. I know exactly who the first mark is gonna be. Okay, let's see what you can do. According to your file, you were first arrested for possessing stolen goods. I specialized in jewelry. That was your best time yet. I'm getting the hang of it. We're gonna clean up. I'm glad to see you so enthusiastic. I haven't felt this good in years. Hello? Frank, it's me. What's going on in there? Frank Weld is a suspect in a multi-million dollar robbery up the road. What? I'm kind of uh, in a bit of trouble. Of course you are. We gotta get rid of all the evidence. Frank, my memory can be used against you. Don't you touch that robot, Frank! Get in. Frank! Frank! You're starting to grow on me. Thank you, Frank. It's time for your enema. I've led a very uh, colorful life. I need him. What do you need him for? He's my friend. My number six is Robot and Frank. I always uh, laugh when this happens because mine literally was like a fucking dick joke trailer. And then it goes to like this like sentimental <laughs> <laughs> trailer. Sweet indie yeah. film trailer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so Ro- Robot and Frank, uh, Frank Langella uh, is a retiree, um, and his kids, well, one of his kids buys him a robot to assist him in his daily life and uh, keep him company so he doesn't uh, just be a lonely old man. Um, but uh, he doesn't want the robot, and uh, he uh, resists him at first, but then uh, turns the tables on everybody when he uh, we find out that he is a former cat burglar, and he starts to train the robot to continue his cat burglaring burglaring career (laughs) um and of course the robot uh will do anything he's programmed to do almost anything (laughs) for frank um so yeah it's i think it's a fun cute uh film you haven't seen it in a long time i do enjoy this movie yeah i haven't seen it in a long time either because they won't put it on (laughs) blu-ray it's just it's different and it's well acted and fun yeah it's an interesting premise and yeah Again, I missed out on buying the DVD, and I'm sure it's streaming somewhere. But I would, I would love to have the Blu-ray. So whoever owns this film, um, you, you hear know, that? Skip the Blu-ray and just go straight to 4K. Yeah, fuckers. Fuck faces. Fuck. Fuck. Fuck those assholes. Yeah, Zach, number five. Oh, uh, my number five um, <clears throat> uh, is a movie that uh, is well produced, well directed, well acted. It's a solid, tight historical thriller, and it proves that old adage that the Academy Awards don't know how to nominate or award correctly. And here it is. Actions of Iran have shocked the civilized world. Our embassy has been seized and more than 60 American citizens. 
continue to be held as hostages. If we're going to go, then we need to go now. What happened? The six of the hostages went out a back exit. Where are they? The Canadian ambassador's house. We got revolutionary guards going door to door. These people die. They died badly. White House? Who wants the six of them out? What we like for this are bicycles. Deliver the six bikes, provide them with maps. Or you could just send in training wheels and meet them at the border with Gatorade. It's gonna take a miracle to get them out. Buddy man, what are we watching? I got an idea. They're a Canadian film crew for a science fiction movie. I fly into Tehran. We all fly out together as a film crew. I need you to help me make a fake movie. So you want to come to Hollywood and act like a big shot without actually doing anything? Yeah. It'll fit right in. You need a script? Argo, science fantasy adventure. Moonscape, Mars, desert. You need an exotic location to shoot. You need a producer. If I'm doing a fake movie, it's going to be a fake hit. You don't have a better bad idea than this? This is the best bad idea we have, sir. By far. You have 72 hours to get them out. They're getting a visitor. You gotten people out this way before? No. You're asking us to trust you with our lives. This is what I do, and I've never left anyone behind. I know who they are, and they know they're hiding out. It's over, Tony. If they stay here, they will be taken. Probably not alive. We're responsible for these people. I'm responsible. You really believe your little story is going to make a difference when there's a gun to our heads? I think my little story is the only thing between you and a gun to your head. Yeah, my number five is Argo. <clears throat> um, yeah, I famously I, unrewarded Argo. Well, it won Best Picture, and frankly, in the grand scheme of everything that came out in 2012, it, let's be honest, I, if we're going from like what was the most critically and audience approved and box office hit, probably Avengers 1 should have won Best Picture that year. Um, Stop sucking up to Ryan, dude. But, um, um, yeah, suck it. Or, or, you know, maybe you could have given it to my number one movie of the year. Who knows? But Argo's a good win, uh, but it didn't get Best Director, and it should have, but the Academy sucks a bunch of dicks so he got a producing Oscar. it doesn't matter he should have he he directed the best film How of many the year Oscars does he need it, you know i'm i'm not i'm he got not, a writing oscar years are ago you, are you going to tell kevin smith's best friend that he can't have more oscars i might <laughs> <laughs> um it's a solid tight thriller and it and it deserves the accolades it did receive i wish ben affleck had gotten that directing oscar because I noticed this the first time I watched it, and I noticed it two weeks ago when I rewatched it in prepping my list. The climax of that film, the third act where they are getting the hostages out, is some of the tightest suspense direction I have ever seen. It is beautiful. And considering that you can just look up on Wikipedia to find out what the outcome of this story was, to still be able to have tension within that moment, despite the fact knowing it's based on a true story, if we if we're gonna have a depressing ending, we probably would have been alluded to though early on. He creates suspense about are they gonna get the fuck out? What the fuck's gonna happen here? I don't know. And literally, it's it's held until the moment that they hear 
somebody over the plane announced that they are outside of Iran- Iranian airspace. It is just high wire tension perfect. The whole film production backdrop is fantastic. Uh, just as John, one of John Goodman's best performances in a movie around this time, with uh, the exception being Red State or 10 Cloverfield Lane. Um, like those three performances just hit large. Um, and clearly uh, Affleck had watched Red State because there's a bunch of actors from Red State stuck in this movie, like John Goodman, Michael Parks, Carrie Bechet. They're all in the film and they all knock it out of the park. Um, and I think it's just a solid testament to Affleck as a director. I know that not everything he's done has been, uh, on point. Cause like live thy night is kind of a disappointment, but Argo still holds up as one of those tight historical thrillers that works on every level it's supposed to. So and rewatching it two weeks ago. I was like, man, I'm still enthralled by this. So yeah. Number five, Argo, fuck yourself. Uh, my number five might shock some people. Uh, I mean, it is the greatest literary character of all time. The, the biggest issue with the film is... Paddington didn't come out this year. <laughs> is they, they retread a lot of familiar territory. But it's still really enjoyable and a lot of fun. You're going to stay with your aunt and uncle for a little while. You'll be safe here. Where are you going? Something your mom and I have to do. I want to go with you. Yeah, you have to go. So, tell us a little bit about yourself, Mr. Parker. Not much to tell, really. Peter lives with his aunt and uncle. I forgot all about that thing. It was your dad's. What are you doing here? I have nothing. Do not get me in trouble. Don't touch anything. secrets. The ones we keep. And the ones that are kept from us. Uh, yeah, my number five is The Amazing Spider-Man. Fallen a bit from your previous list. Yeah, in so much that uh, you mentioned it while the tra- trailer is playing, is there's so many unresolved issues with the story they're telling. Um, and it, it actually 
hurts the film a lot. Uh, this one and the following one. And I mean, I like them both a lot, obviously. I mean, I always have a soft spot for Spider-Man. But, you know, the issue they run into is they're trying to tell a different story. And it's a story no one cares about. <laughs> um, you know, in, in the comics, his parents are double agents that are killed by the Red Skull. Which, I mean, hey, if they do that in the MCU, I'm totally down. But what I love about this film is I actually think the cinematography and it's really great. It looks different than all the other Spider-Mans. It has this really cool dark blue look to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Spider-Man's a little more menacing in it. Um, Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone are incredible in the film. Mm-hmm. All the things I can point to that are great about it, it's always it's bogged down by Sony's need to world build. And they still haven't gotten over that, whether it's the Venom films or Morbius. Is they're trying to build these universes, which is fine, but you're doing it in the wrong way. And I, you know, I always point to where DC always stumbles is they're trying to create worlds that people haven't earned. And while, Sp- while Spider-Man does, it's, you know, his parents, the story isn't cool. And then it kind of unravels in the second one with all this universe building. Cause they're trying to build towards the sinister six. Um, but this film, I mean, it treads a lot of familiar ground too. It's, you know, uncle Ben being killed and, um, you know, Pete dealing with the fallout from that. And but getting the, his powers. and Yeah, right. exactly. And it, it's what I, but like I said, I think Andrew Garfield is a really fun Spider-Man. Um, Emma Stone is great in it. I, I it, you know, the Dennis Leary is. Oh, he's great as Captain Stacy. Yeah, as a perfect cast as Captain Stacy. And I, I love, and even, you know, the lizard, is okay as a villain in it, but I mean, oh, Reese Fonz, yeah. The, the the film itself looks incredible. The final fight with Spidey on top of Oscorp with the lizard and all the little blue particles are falling, and it just it, it looks amazing. Um, I mean, and there's some like hokey stuff, you know. They're putting the crane so we can get to Oscorp faster. Um, but like I said, I think the film looks incredible. Um, it holds up really well. Um, I mean, the trailer we just saw. Is like you can tell it's not rendered all the way yet. It still looks like a PlayStation Four game, um, but I'll always have a soft spot for Spider-Man. And at the end of the day, the most important thing is that the character of Peter Parker is right, and I think Andrew Garfield does a pretty good job with Spider-Man. And I, mm-hmm. I watch it probably every year, uh, like all Spider-Man films, and. It'll always have a place in my heart. And no matter what, a Spider-Man movie will always be on my film explosion list. I feel compelled to go back to the one and two on it and then put No Way Home out on afterward Mm -hmm. to watch the arc of Peter and not really care about, you know, his parents' side story or whatever's going on with the Sinister Six and just focus on Andrew Garfield as a character. Yeah. And I feel like I would get a satisfying result because I remember feeling something of like feeling a soft spot for him getting to sort of redeem himself at the end of no way home for the fact of what happened to Gwen. Oh yeah. It's there's something about that moment where I'm like, you know, like, yeah, I'm not a fan of these movies, but that doesn't mean they're completely disposable or useless. You know, like there's a, there's a value to them. Yep. Agreed. And the Spider-Man costume looks kind of cool because it's different in this one. Mm-hmm. It's an unraveled basketball. Yeah. Brad, number five. 
Uh, my number five is a controversial pick um, that you guys have made fun of quite a bit unnecessarily. And here it is. Is someone there? John? You. After all these years, you've come for me. There's a boy. Many years ago, he tried to kill the Falkman. He left us a long time ago. You know any dads go missing around here, motherfucker? But this time, it's your old man. You seen your dad burn to death in front of you? What is the Falkman? Father's Day killer, cannibal man killer. Ah, those damn reporters can give it any name they want. But I got my eye on you and the degenerate sister of yours, Chelsea. So you tell her I said hi. <laughs> you must find this man, Ava. You must find him. The father of Flint sent me and I've traveled across the world to speak to you. I hurt a lot of people in my life, Father. I don't want to hurt anymore. I prayed every night that you would come and find me, but you never did. I don't want you putting your life on the line over some stupid vendetta for the Father's Day killer. Why not? You did. And I'm gonna finish what you couldn't. says that he that sees but one path shall stand in the way of the Fuckmanicus. Why? There's no time to explain. Oh, glory to the Fuckman! Happy Father's Day. Yeah, uh, so my number five is Father's Day from the makers of Psycho Gorman. <laughs> really uh, infamous. I, yeah. I forgot. We, we did give you a hard time for like a year about it. Yeah, because it was my number four that year. It dropped down a spot this year. But um, uh, yeah, it follows the adventure of Ahab, who is trying to stop a supernatural killer called Chris Fuckman, <laughs> who is raping and murdering priests Damn it, fucking movie. <laughs> um yeah and uh i remember you letting me borrow this and watching it I go, what the fuck is this film <laughs> why does brad like this your 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 taste in movies always cracks me up because uh you won't put s- certain things on there but you like father's day i passed yes. on amazing spider-man but i put this on there yeah <laughs> uh no i got to see this at the, like a midnight the esquire screening uh deal and uh it's got that schlocky 80s trauma movie aesthetic yeah um but it's made in 2011 2012 uh which i thought was pretty cool like um you know early 
2010s there was a lot of movies coming out that had that yeah. vibe to it um this since wayne See, i liked hobo with a shotgun yeah which is shotgun. the same kind of vibe right uh, drive kind of touches a little bit but in like a modern way yeah you um, know brad i finally watched this film like about a year or two a year or so ago after like years of like the reputation surrounding it you don't have to be ashamed of anything. It is a. It is a. <laughs> you do. It's it, a piece of it, shit. It is a crazy balls to the walls <laughs> trauma movie. It, it it has its value. I, I. It's fun. It's well, not fun. It's what do you, what do you call it? It's it's a gross out good time. Not yeah. as palatable as like a Suicide Squad, but like I think it, like they they really like do a lot on like a small oh, budget yeah. type film. So mm-hmm. the um, camera moves in it are great despite the budget. You know. Yeah, and they like add a lot of filtering editing to it, and uh, forgot the character's like name until you said it. Oh <laughs> <my God. laughs> it feels like a film I need to watch again, just because of the reputation on our podcast. Yeah, but, and you I, know, like Psycho Gorman a little bit more than yeah. You. I I appreciated Psycho Gorman a lot more when I watched all the special features, and it's one of those films that I, I got the blue. I bought the Blu-ray because one is like twelve ninety nine for Psycho Gorman. But, I mean, this, the Blu-ray is, like, packed with special features. And, like I said, I really appreciate it because the makers of the film knew exactly what they were making and they went for it. And it grew on me over time. And maybe I need to revisit Father's Day. It'll never be in my top ten, but <laughs> maybe it'll be one that I'll not hate watching again. Yeah, I actually haven't seen it in a while because it's definitely not something I'm like, I'm going to watch this at least once a year. <laughs> oh, yeah. No. But, um. <laughs> Yeah, like I'd say Psycho Gorman has more laughs per minute and is sillier, whereas Father's Day is has some silly stuff. Like I think I remember at one point he puts like a, a spout in a tree because he like escapes to Canada and just starts draining the, the maple syrup out of it <laughs> with like a just a regular spigot. Because yeah, why not? Um, uh, but yeah, it's it, this is more like really trying to be a horror film that is a schlocky trauma film. Where Psycho Gorman feels like a Power Rangers comedy, yeah. Um, so yeah, I yeah. I, again, it also gets a bump because that that midnight screening was so much fun and um, yeah, it's good times. Psych- uh, Father's Day, my number. I almost said Psycho Gorman. <laughs> my number five is uh, Father's Day. Zach, number four. All right, my number four was my number one ten years ago. It is now down to my number four, uh, but. It's still a rip-roaring western from one of my favorite directors. Good cold evening, gentlemen. I'm Dr. King Schultz. What kind of doctor? Dentist? Amongst your inventory, I've been led to believe is a specimen I'm keen to acquire. What's your name? Django. Then you're exactly the one I'm looking for. Hey, no sale. Oh, very well. Please, no! When I hear that trumpet sound, if I were you, I'd take that winter coat. You kill people, and they give you reward? Better they are, bigger the reward. I'm looking for the Brittle Brothers. I know what they look like, all right. They sold my wife, but I don't know to who. You helped me do that. I'll give you your freedom and take you to rescue your wife. Where are we going? Bullseye. Come on over. We got us a fight going on that's a good bit of fun. Coco, give me some sugar. So you really free? Yes. You mean you want to dress like that? Hey! What kind of dentist are you? 
<laughs> Touch your guns, you die. Like the way you die, boy. Gentlemen, you had my curiosity, but now you have my attention. What's your name? Django. The D is silent. So yeah, my number four is Django Unchained. Um, it dropped down a little bit more for me because uh, the I love the film, but it it's I think especially within the last four years, my perception of how Quentin Tarantino is handling that kind of revisionist spaghetti Western set in slavery era has changed a little bit, but that doesn't take away its power to be a good uh, revenge thriller in the, in the vein of an inglorious bastards. Uh, I still think all the performances are extremely solid and uh, it's one of, I love Christoph Waltz in this film even more than I do in inglorious bastards because Hans Landa is a great character. And he plays it to perfection. But I like watching Christoph Waltz play a smarmy good guy um, who more or less learns not just the flaw in his perception of seeing Django as property at the beginning, but then how he basically comes to redeem that small effort by the end of the film. And kind of like it's 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 kind of like somebody realizing the actual horrors of slavery as the movie goes on. Um, it's not perfect and it's kind of ill-conceived to a certain extent, but it doesn't take away its power as a, as a narrative or as a performance or as a piece of screenwriting. It's just that it's a little bit wobbly, uh, for me. Uh, but the rest of the film works on its own merits. It's just a, it's a grindhouse spaghetti Western, uh, uh, Western that just works on its own terms. Uh, I think Samuel Jackson actually gives one of his best performances career-wise in this film because he is absolutely terrifying and horrible as a villain in this film like it's just it's it's like uh, distressing the the performance he's giving and it's absolutely fantastic as a result uh leo's good and it's it's a it's a solid mark all around like i enjoy quentin tarantino movies and this is no exception so uh yeah Django unchained yeah it's a good one ryan uh my number four is a true story can I be honest with you? I am bad news. I'm not your friend. I'm not gonna help you. I'm gonna break you. Any questions? Maya, this is Joseph Bradley, our station chief. Nice to meet you. You too, sir. You don't think she's a little young for the hard stuff? Washington says she's a killer. I want to make something clear. We're spending billions of dollars. We're still no closer to defeating our enemy. 20 detainees recognize that photo. No birth certificate, no cell phone. You guys are ghosts. believe this story? Osama bin Laden? Yeah. What convinced you? Her confidence. No 
This is a professional attempt to avoid detection. Real tradecraft. You're on a list. You of all people should know that once you're on their list, you never get off. There's a 60% probability he's there. I'd say it's a soft 60, sir. It's 100%. I know certainty freaks you guys out, but it's 100. You will never find him. He is one of the disappeared ones. My number four is Zero Dark Thirty. It's the story about the hunt for Osama bin Laden and really the analyst who combed through tons of intelligence to find him and discover who he was through a courier. And yeah, it's just the story about how we tracked down Osama bin Laden uh, with great performances all around from Jason Clark to Jessica Chastain, even Chris Pratt in it is really great. Um, and this is before, you know, Guardians and everything where he kind of blew up. He was still Parks and Rec boy. Yeah, he's still yeah. Parks and Rec, um, Chris Pratt. But it's just uh, Catherine Bigelow directed, and she just, um, the nitty-gritty of it, and it's, you know, a two-and-a-half-hour-long movie, but it propels really well. Mm-hmm. And you're always intrigued, even though, like, some true stories, you know how they're going to end, but the way the story is told is really engaging. I mean, there's a little bit of liberties in the story they're telling, but they get the core of it right. And the story is so fascinating and um, how the intelligence community worked to find the most wanted man in the history of the world is a really great story. And it's told really well in a movie. And I think everybody should see it. There's a similarity between Argo and Zero Dark Thirty where their third acts are both really strong. Zero Dark Thirty has an incredible third act from a visual standpoint. It is remarkable. It's good stuff. Yep. Brad, number four. Number eight. (laughs) My number four is uh, I'm going to need some help with this one. War has started. And we are hopelessly outgunned. Director Fury, I think it's time. You're here with a mission, sir? Trying to get me back in the world? Trying to save it. Doctor, we need you to come in. What if I say no? I'll persuade you. What are you asking me to do? It's called the Avengers Initiative. I thought I didn't qualify. Apparently I'm, what is it, volatile, self-obsessed, and don't play well with others. I think they need a timeout. 
lost creatures to defend you. You have made me very desperate. We're not a team. We're a time bomb. we were ever trained for. Guys, I'm bringing the party to you. Yeah, this is a tag team review. My number four is The Avengers, or Disney's Marvel's Marvel's The Avengers, and Zach's number three is Paramount's Disney's Marvel's The Avengers. Um, yeah, and uh, Ryan was uh, telling us that we're wrong during yep. the trailer, but I will argue that it is my number four. It's still a great film, but when it came out, there were three other Marvel movies, four, four other Marvel movies, and they've had quite a bit amazing stuff since then mm-hmm. you know like infinity war and endgame adventures movies so it has fallen a little bit for me but uh yeah it's still incredible um you know it was the first one you know 2012 was a time when you said can you even do a superhero movie team movie can you have that many characters <laughs> on the screen at one time sharing a story at the same time is it <laughs> even possible like we can barely even make a single characters movie work how are you possibly going to make an avengers movie work and they did it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Great action. Um, at the time, you know, I was I was not a Joss Whedon fan. And then this movie came. Out, I was like, okay, I'll give him credit. He made, he wrote a funny movie and directed it well. And wow, things have changed for him um, since <laughs> this movie. Um, I mean, really, the only thing that changes he's an asshole. I mean, uh, apparently, always has been. Yeah. And yep. finally got uh, revealed to be one. But no one knew he was an asshole when this movie came out. Yeah. Um, so we were still having a lot of fun. Um, but, uh, yeah. Uh, what else can I say? Zach? Yeah. Um, uh, Joss Whedon's assholery aside, cause I also technically have two of his pieces of work in this, uh, film explosion. Um, well, Martin Scorsese told me I was only allowed to have one superhero movie on this film explosion list and I chose this one. Um, but in all sincerity, um, this was the most positive, uh, film going experience I had in 2012 with friends at a midnight show um and uh because it happened right after a student showcase where i had a film in it and we went right back to the theater that we saw all the shows from the from the school play in and we got into the cine capri and we got into the theater and we just watched everything unfold i ended up going to avengers no less than 12 times because i worked at regal so i was able to get free tickets even after things had dwindled down and it went down to smaller theaters. I still kept going back with my friends, Andrew Bueno and stuff. So um, it, it was such an event because I had followed the MCU. I still followed the MCU in the theatrical sense. Um, and uh, no matter, uh, no matter everything that's come afterwards, I still remember the impact of how excited we all were and how 
uh, how rewarded we were for sticking with the four films that led to this point um, because it absolutely delivers on every Five promise. Think about it. Yeah. Or what was it? It's Iron Man, Iron two, Man 2. Yeah, two Hulk. Iron Mans, a Hulk. And oh, you're right. Yeah, because yeah. Thor and Captain America. I always forget about Iron Man 2, even though it's okay. Um, but uh, but so it's to watch those five films deliver on this sixth one and then to then speculate where does this go and the Thanos tease at the end. Like it was the most fun and the most invested that I felt as a fa- as a as a fanboy of sci-fi comic books or pop culture or anything aesthetic at that point. So um, and that that feeling still stands. I still like watching this one, even though obviously Endgame is a better film by comparison. Um, it's still a very strong movie, and it it still works on its own merits without necessarily having to know other angles of the MCU. Like you can still kind of watch this without watching previous films and kind of get what's going on for the most part. So, so yeah, number three for me is the Avengers. Uh, my number uh, three is a repeat. It is Skyfall 007. Um, Brad touched on it hours ago um, where it's just a cool film. Uh, it's beautifully shot. I think as you dive into Bond's background is really fascinating. Um, the set pieces are incredible. I mean, I still think Daniel Craig is the best James Bond. Um, He's definitely in the best James Bond movies. Um, Is that so, Ryan? Yes. (laughs) Is this your favorite of the Craig movies? Oh, see, yeah, I'm kind of like you. It probably is. But just Casino Royale, because it set up this world so well. And, you know, the tension in Casino Royale is so good and it's even though it's a bond film it's a little smaller scale than skyfall um so yeah i i go back and forth between the two is this your favorite performance by craig as the character yes okay um i think it's very uh he's very restrained and very cool at the same time um the stunts in it are incredible um yeah you know we brought up the cinematography already um yeah that part where the the house is on fire and he's walking through the uh, mm-hmm. yeah. ice lake. And even at the end where they're in Scotland and stuff, I mean, it just looks cool. I mean, Sam Mendes is a great director, so it always is going to look great. And yeah, I, I just think it's a really fun film. There's one thing I miss and no disrespect to Albert Finney, but I really wish that um, Sean Connery had played his oh, part. Oh, fuck yeah. Um, that would have been cool. That would have been like the icing on the cake. But, but you're never going to get that grumpy asshole to get out of his fucking cave. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, Skyfall is just a cool movie. And I, I think it helped elevate the James Bond um, brand. And that's my number three. Uh, Brad, you're number three. Uh, yeah, from here on out, uh, I don't have a lot of stuff to introduce. Uh, my number three is a repeat. It's 21 Jump Street. Nice. Mm-hmm. Um was much lower 10 years ago for some reason. Um, it's a movie though. When you repeat, watch it, it really, you catch all the jokes and it's really fun. Yeah. Uh, just, you know, when we talk about like stuff that's dropped off, uh, this is higher because I, I've watched it so much. Um, it's so much fun to revisit. Um, the, the humor is great. Um, you know, uh, sets up a great sequel. When he yells at his mom, he's like, what the fuck is this, mom? It looks like I died in a car crash. 
look like Fred Savage. Um, <laughs> yeah, just like the the jokes and the humor and the timing, just like or everything to me in that movie. Um, just tons of fun. The the camaraderie between the two leads is great. And uh, yeah, like and uh, Lord Miller's uh, observation of uh, you know role reversals and observing like how school has changed just in what 10 15 years for people well yeah in I general mean, i mean brad you and i can relate we graduated you graduated 2000 i graduated 99 yeah and we're similar ages to these people yeah but when i was in school when i look because i've loved spider-man and i was never shy about my love for spider-man it wasn't cool to like comic books and now it's you're it, it's accepted and it's what you should do. You'd be you should be the most popular comics. kid at school now, right? I know. I would have been really cool. Damn it. Yeah. And there's so many different factions of nerds now. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's incredible. Just uh, call them tribes. <laughs> you know, it, if we'd only been born a little later, <laughs> um, probably would have had more fun <laughs> in our in our younger years. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, 21 Jump Street. I I hope some someday they uh, get the gang back together because I'd like to see I was really hoping for that black, <laughs> Men in Black uh, <laughs> 200 Jump Street crossover. Mm-hmm. But um, maybe they'll think of something else. I'd see it. Yeah. yeah. They got to have Lord Miller got to have some commentary on trilogies, right? Yeah, I'm sure they do. I mean, the third one seems to be the hardest one for any filmmaker to make um, consistent. So Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, my number three is 21 Jump Street. Sweet. Zach, two. All right. My number two um has grown for me over the years. Um, and I think it's technically thanks to um, our long lost host, James, for really elevating this film up the ladder the way it has. Um, but it's by a master filmmaker with a master actor and a masterful supporting cast. And here it is. We here highly resolve that these dead shall not have died in vain, that this nation under God shall have a new birth of freedom. That government of the people, by the people, for the people, shall not perish from the earth. We can't tell our people they can vote yes on abolishing slavery unless at the same time we can tell them that you're seeking a negotiated peace. It's either the amendment or this Confederate peace. You cannot have both. How many hundreds of thousands have died during your administration? Congress must never declare equal those whom God created unequal. Leave the Constitution alone. We are stepped out upon the world stage now with the fate of human dignity in our hands. Blood's been spilled to afford us this moment now, now, now. Abraham Lincoln has asked us to work with him to accomplish the death of slavery. No one's ever been loved so much by the people. Don't waste that power. This fight is for the United States of America. Do we choose to be born, or are we fitted to the times we're born into? Well, I don't know about myself. You may be. This settles the fate for all coming time. Not only of the millions now in bondage, but of unborn millions to come. 
Shall we stop this bleeding? Gosh, I put Tim and Eric's billion dollar movie over that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So uh, is it both? Is it you and me, Ryan? Yeah. All right. Okay. So, uh, yeah, Ryan and I are uh, tag teaming on the one and only... Mm. 2012 tag team Lincoln. <laughs> tag team. <We're> Chinese <laughs> finger cuff in Lincoln. Yes, we are. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and now we're all going to hell. To us for doing it and you for instigating it, Brett. Yeah, we were yeah, going there I'm way earlier. There. Oh, we've already gone? Okay, yeah. we've already had the first class tickets. Uh, no, uh, I I was I was floored. Remember, I remember reading, because Liam Neeson was attached to this project for years. To find out that Daniel Day-Lewis was going to be taking it over, like, my head fucking exploded. I'm like, Steven Spielberg and Daniel Day-Lewis are going to make a movie together? That's fucking insane. Um, and I, and the movie came out, and I liked it a lot, um, but, it, but it didn't hit me the same way as, like, a Django Unchained did for, like, wanting a Civil War story. Uh, as I've gotten older and had better perspective on life... Uh, Watching Spielberg handle Lincoln's legacy is probably one of the most masterful things I've ever seen him do as a filmmaker, because he doesn't shirk away from the from the more complicated aspects of Lincoln, uh, and he doesn't tell some kind of strange, like chunked up version of Lincoln's life. He sums up Lincoln's life by virtue of getting that Amendment Act at passed, and in that sense, you get to navigate who Lincoln was as a person before he became president, who he is, and who he will be remembered as. Um, And it's surrounded by this powerful cast uh, playing figures in history that you didn't fully realize um, by virtue of just blank education that were instrumental in the amendment getting passed and how it was passed. I ended up reading the book Team of Rivals after this, and it was incredible to kind of watch how that political machine maneuvers and in a lot of unfortunate aspects still maneuvers for, for more nefarious purposes today. This um, guy bragging that he reads books. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, uh, but I think it's also like we've, we've talked multiple times about how Spielberg's one of the greatest filmmakers that this generation will ever see period. And I, I don't know if this is my, f- I don't know if this is my favorite from him, but it's in that top five of like, this is some of the best work he's ever done. Um, where he's able to show optimism from a hopeful place, especially by the end, but he's able to tread into those dark territories that he can handle with such brilliance. Um, And it's one of Daniel Day-Lewis's best performances in a film. I love how his character is so established that at one point he starts to tell a story, and um, I think it's Oliver Platt um, or Bruce McGill is going like, no, I don't think I can hear another one of your goddamn stories. And he just runs off and Lincoln's just like, ah, fuck him. Anyway, I'm going to tell this to all the soldiers here in the telegraph room. Um, it's dope. Yeah. It's, uh, James's favorite film that we did in our first 500 episodes. And it's, uh, a really moving picture. Uh, Zach brought up Team of Rivals. It's only a, maybe a chapter of Team of Rivals. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. It, they did not adapt the whole book. And I think by doing that and not giving a truncated version of Lincoln's life, really letting this moment in history have its time in the spotlight, I think is a testament to the film and the performances. 
and everything in the film works. And I mean, just watching the trailer again, the cinematography, the way the camera moves, where it puts actors in the screen. I mean, that powerful scene where, you know, he's like, now, now, and it's just, uh, everything just works so well for it. It's just so well done. It's a beautiful film. Uh, Spielberg is not just this generation, but one of the greatest directors of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, he knows how to make film, whether it's a horror film like Jaws or an adventure film like Raiders of the Lost Ark. They're some of my most favorite films. And this film's no exception. Mm-hmm. It's one of my most favorite films. And it's just well done. And you should go watch it instead of listening to me talk about it. Yeah. I will say, like, J- Daniel D. Lewis, because my experience with him prior was primarily There Will Be Blood and Gangs in New York when I saw the movie the first time. There was two moments in the film that took me back to where that place was. One is when uh, Robert, his son, is still uh, is kind of, like, kicking back at him, going, like, you can't, you're not going to scare me away from joining up in the army. And he turns around and he smacks the shit out of <laughs> J- uh, Joe Go, and I'm like, oh, shit. And then the other one is when he goes, I am the 16th president. I'm the president of the United States clothed in immense power. And then he just flat out tells him, like, you get me those votes. Like, it's uh, it's it's a kind man. But when you push that button, he does a subtle thing of getting a little bit angry and people know he's serious. It's it's brilliant. Yep. I don't think it made my top 10 because I had the ending spoiled for me in elementary school. That he dies, so it Jesus took took Christ. away some of the impact. <laughs> I mean, you can, you, you can only joke about his assassination now. Like, I need to go to this meeting. Like, I need a hole in the head. Um, it's theater. Yeah. By the way, this is we're actually at the Ford Theater, aren't we? Yes. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, the bug uh, used to be the Ford Theater. Yeah, so that's right. Yeah. Watch your backs. <laughs> that's why nobody comes here. <laughs> There's no balconies here, so I think no. you're good. No worry. No, for about brain matter. Well, as honest. long as there's no southern actors in here, I think we'll be okay. Brad, number two. Uh, yeah, no surprise. My number two is a Wes Anderson film. It's uh, Moonrise Kingdom. Zach talked a lot about it earlier. Um, I just love the world that Wes Anderson creates. So unique and so specific, and uh, looks gorgeous. Um, and it's just a cute story of these. Uh, two young lovers trying to escape the oppression of their screwed up families. Um, yeah. Moonrise kingdom. It was a number two last time and it's number two again. Nice. Oh yeah. Back number one. All right. My number one was my number two 10 years ago. It's just gone up for me. Here it is. Man is not an animal. We are not a part of the animal kingdom. We sit far above that crown, perched as spirits, not beasts. I have unlocked and discovered a secret to living in these bodies that we hold. Good science allows for more than one opinion, otherwise you merely have the will of one man which is the basis of cult. The only way to defend ourselves is to attack. Oh, no, no! It'll be okay! Please don't hurt him! He's dangerous, and he will be our undoing if we continue to have him here. He's making all this up as it goes along. If you leave here, I don't ever want to see you again. 
can stay. Oh, <laughs> that's okay. Um, yeah, my number one is The Master by Paul Thomas Anderson. Um, I, I know it's not a, a, a powerful watch for the two other people in this room or even the absent James. And everybody room. else who's not here. Yeah, pretty much. It's, it's literally just me. I'm the only one who enjoys it. Well, no, Henry likes this film, that too. That guy so. outside hasn't seen it. Yeah. <laughs> my, girl, haven't seen it. my girlfriend hasn't seen it. Nobody's seen this movie. It, it was watched by only me and Henry and nobody else. Um, no, I really like how I've, I, I appreciated the film when it came out a lot. It, it, it was a profound piece of acting bravella to watch. And then as I got older, I appreciated what he's, what Anderson's doing with that camera and creating scope out of these seemingly small and insignificant character moments. And then it compels you to go back and look at films that inspire him to do this. And you look at cinema scope eras, epics of the era, and you look at World War II films, you look at films coming um, just right after World War II. And this film takes a lot of inspiration from a documentary by John Huston about PTSD uh, and coming out of World War II. And to combine all those ideas and then tangle in the whole Scientology aspect of it by creating a facsimile cult and playing with this idea of coming out of the war, I think it's just a really solidly told historical tale that also winds in and around the question of like which one of these two is the actual master of of the situation what is a man searching for after he comes out of a very stressful and battle-ridden situation are they dealing with alcohol religion what are they doing um and in in there's a secret core of a secret forbidden love story that's not supposed to be happening there's a lot of different things going on in the movie and i kind of appreciate soaking in the atmosphere of it it's not like there will be blood where I love that film, but it's a dark watch, and by the end of it, I feel I feel drained. This one, I don't feel drained. I kind of I'm, I find myself still thinking, and if a movie can keep me thinking, I I will give it the top spot as often as I can. And this is one of those moments. And the late great Philip Seymour Hoffman, I frankly I love him in Capote. I kind of wish he had gotten his Oscar for this because he's fucking great in it. It, it is one of the most compelling performances I ever saw him give in, in in his lifetime and he worked well with Anderson so to watch him kind of get that center of frame role when he had only kind of been in the background prior especially in Punch Drunk Love and Boogie Nights it's kind of wonderful to watch him get that chance under Anderson so uh, so yeah if you haven't seen The Master I encourage you to check it out um, despite the company that put it out <laughs> you know I'm the master gonna hurt the master Hmm. Bader. So, yeah, Bader. <laughs> yeah, that was your number one movie of 2012, right? The Master Fucking Bader. A. Dare you? Starring me. Speaking of masturbation, there's hard a... to beat. <laughs> uh, realizing how many Anderson uh, directors there are in filmmaking. Paul Davis Anderson, PTA Anderson, Anderson, Wes Anderson. Yeah, they're all either abbreviates or short names. <laughs> uh, my number one is The Avengers. Um, you guys touched on it, but having all those characters come together on screen, uh, yeah, at the time was, could you even have that many characters? And it seems silly now when you have Endgame and there's, I don't know, 20, 30 heroes in it. Would you say that it still feels kind of powerful regardless of how oh, much yeah. we've gotten? Because I, I feel it does. I think there's moments, uh, I mean, we had our tag team review is all the Avengers coming together in New York. 
to me as a comic book fan, that's a comic book splash page mm-hmm. that I want to see. Um, and it, the Marvel movies work so well because they did such a great job casting each character. Um, you know, Chris Evans as Captain America, Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man, Scarlett Johansson as Black Widow, so on and so on is just a really cool thing. And even um, Tom Hiddleston as Loki, where you you would think um, that the Avengers, they would go really big with the first villain. I mean, Loki's a big villain, but they played homage to the first Avengers comic where it's Loki is the villain. And it's just a cool thing to see it all come together and it all work and everybody gets a chance to shine. Uh, I remember being in the theater and when Thor, Iron Man and Captain America fight in the woods was such a great moment. Um, You know, when Coulson dies, there was gasps in my theater. What's the line? Do not touch me again. Then don't take my stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Um, It's just the Avengers are always going to be fractured because of the personalities that go into each character. Uh, but they're always going to come together for the common good. And no matter what, whether it's, you know, Hulk with the puny God moment and it, it just everything in the film works. And I, I know everyone looks back at Joss Whedon now with a little trepidation, but I, I, my only argument would always be he's just a jerk. At least he's not like sexually assaulting people. He's not Harvey Weinstein. Yeah, he's not no. doing like horrible things. People, he's just being an asshole. It's still um, a power trip move, which you shouldn't. It be is, going. but you know it too. It's, but my favorite story that came out of you know Joss Whedon being an asshole is when he tried to be an asshole to Gal Gadot, and she's like, "Dude, fuck you, man! Mm-hmm. I don't need you." And she put him in his place. So, um, and he did himself no favors with his answers to some things, uh, but he still makes really fun entertainment. And I mean, he—I don't know if he'll ever make anything ever again. Um, but the Avengers is proof that he can write those scenes and his work on Buffy and Angel and Firefly really set him up well for this world Mm -hmm. and his love for comic books anyways, because he's writing comic books, the X-Men and things like that before then. He wrote the first X-Men movie too, so it's um, all part of it. He does have a savvy for casting too, because he has Harry Dean Stanton in the movie as that guy that finds Hulk after he's landed from the helicarrier. Like, did I kill anybody? No, but you scared the hell out of some pigeons. <laughs> yeah, so it's 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 still an awesome movie. I, I I get excited watching every time. And watching the trailer today, I, I think I'll, I might watch it tomorrow just because I haven't seen it in a, a minute. So, yeah, my number one is The Avengers. Fuck. Brad, take us home. Uh, before we do, I was just going to remember when, our, the, when we saw it at the premiere, um, we dressed up. That's right. As each of the uh, Iron Man uh, Thor and Captain America, and that was like our our first, I think, big premiere yeah. cosplay thing we yeah. did as the real nerds. So mm-hmm. you're right; it was our uh, Twitter um, banner for a while. Yep. Uh, yeah, and uh, my number one, uh, probably no surprise, is The Dark Knight Rises. Um, definitely my third favorite of the Nolan trilogy, but um, just an epic, epic conclusion to that trilogy. Um, you know, it was fun, you know, going to Mount High Comics and meeting Michael Uslin and having him amp it up there and talk about how much of like an homage to everything he loved about Batman that it was. And it, it, it honors so many different eras of the Batman legacy in it. You've got some 
No Man's Land in there. You've got Nightfall, um, and then uh, just of course the Batman stuff in and, general. Kind of like a Dark Knight Returns. Too, Dark Knight Returns, well, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Um, and a little uh, Batman sixty six with the uh, taking the bomb out into the, into this ocean. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's, it's really just like a culmination of Batman uh, up to that point. Uh, and it's it's great. Um, you know, it's 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 more sprawling and epic, um, less psychological. Um, and it editing wise, it does jump around a lot. There's kind of points where I'm like, well, so a guy with no money. Uh, anymore left some place in asia and somehow managed to still hitch a ride across continents to get back to gotham city um you know i i feel like there it's a longer movie that's been trimmed down to its bare essentials so maybe there's stuff missing that we'll never get to see in there um but uh yeah it's it's a it's a a great conclusion it's it was awesome to see a serious take on bane uh done um and then yeah oh it, it, like the lazarus pit is a little disappointing because it's not as supernatural as it is in the comics uh, it's more of a metaphor in nolan's world um but yeah I, I, and then um you know the talia al ghul when i first watched it was such a surprise to me i felt dumb <laughs> not seeing it coming um but uh yeah and uh, it, it is it is kind of a bummer to have a batman who does not fight crime for seven years, but <laughs> in Nolan's world, if you think about like the average lifespan of a hockey or NFL player, like could r- Batman really be a 10 to 20 year crime fighter? Not really. Um, so yeah. Yeah. True. So um, yeah, after all these years, it's, it's still unfortunately a significant movie of <laughs> this year. Um, Is it still the uh, wallpaper on your iphone it is um mostly just because it actually functionally it's like having a black background saves battery life on your screen <laughs> and uh you know keeps uh everything dim so mm. when you're out you're not distracting people really yeah oh fuck <laughs> well yeah you're, if it's a white background you're like using all your battery power to like my sepia picture of scorsese is going away tonight <laughs> yeah find something darker and uh yeah I've, I've i've no real good reason to change it it's also not distracting from the apps icons and things it's you know mm. kind of just blends in mm-hmm. so nice yeah uh so before we wrap this up we did get a few emails sent to us um i'm gonna start with carol's because I have it up, and it's a great one. I, I, I always read them before we start to get an idea, and I, I truly enjoy it. Um, hello, real nerds. Here we are, visiting 2012. I want to get the most difficult part out of the way first. Sadly, we must talk about the terrible and senseless event that touched our lives in 2012. The Dark Knight Rises. Words are difficult. There's a, there is, of course, so much emotion to be expressed. This brings back a flood of memories. Hard to believe it's been 10 years since that horrible night. I'm reminded of when you guys were at our house painting your capes to stand guard at the memorial and the Sunday morning that I came downstairs to see Tom Sullivan sitting on our couch while you recorded an interview with him. I'm so proud of how you guys walked through that horrible time. Sorry, I'm not a big fan of the Batman movies and I don't love this one, but it must be talked about to honor Sully and all the other innocent people, including a child who were murdered. 
I am a mother of someone who was in a theater at the same time. You all were, across town and even next door. Heartbreaking. I never met Alex Sullivan, but I still have my Sully armband on my keychain. Deep breath. Okay, that's done. I have mentioned that I have a terrible time with this. Pro have I mentioned that I have a terrible time with this process? <laughs> well, it's still true. How did I get mixed up in this craziness anyways? Because uh, I kind of pressure you into it, Carol. I always like text you before. Like, hey, just so you know, this is, we're doing Film Explosion. Well, um, he'll keep sending those texts until you actually appear on the show. Then we'll stop. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> uh, oh, well, here you go. Number 10, John Carter. Best movies that everyone else seems to hate. Yes, there's some silly parts, but I think it's fun. Number nine, safety not guaranteed. Oh, yeah. I'm so glad we watched this again. This little indie film is where time travel meets romantic comedy. A magazine reporter and two interns investigate an ad that was placed in a small town newspaper that reads, Wanted, someone to go back in time with me. This is not a joke. You'll get paid after we get back. Must bring your own weapons. Safety not guaranteed. I have only done this once. Hmm. This is a is this guy for real or is he crazy? This movie is clever, funny, and heartwarming. Number eight, The Born Legacy. Yep, one more Born story, sort of, and I like it a lot. Jeremy Renner and Rachel Weisz make it even better than maybe it should be. Number seven, Mud. I know James likes that movie too. Uh. Well, I needed to have something on this list that isn't an action movie, and Matthew, Matthew McConaughey offers a great choice. Number six, Skyfall. Rewatch this on the plane going to Detroit to see James and family. I know he loves this movie. This feels like a James Bond movie for grown-ups. I agree. Aren't James Bond movies for grown-ups? Uh, I think the earlier ones are kind of silly. Mean, I mean, it's immature men who enjoy yeah. the early ones for the wrong The movies. guy who <laughs> sleeps with a bunch of women and murders people? Like I said, immature boy men. <laughs> they also know. have like gadgets and stuff. Did you watch, did you watch James Bond when you were a kid? I thought it was cool. I, I watched all the movies. Yeah. Not as a kid, though. Oh, I did. Um, number five, The Amazing Spider-Man. Huh? Great lines, think alike. This is my second favorite reboot of Spider-Man, and Andrew Garfield <laughs> is my second favorite Spider-Man. Lots of fun. Number four, Jack Reacher. Almost on my list. Oh, yeah, that came close, too. Let's see. We have a murder mystery, suspense, intrigue, a few good fights with mostly stupid guys, an interesting car chase where the hero is chasing the bad guys while being chased by police, and a clever end. Tom Cruise and Robert Duvall to make it really fun. What more could I ask for? I do really love um, when he takes the guys out of the bar and he says, remember, you wanted this, and he kicks their asses. I love Werner Herzog as this rabbit-petting villain. <laughs> <laughs> uh, number three, The Hobbit, An Unexpected Journey. I yeah. decided to rewatch this while I was walking on the treadmill, and I'm so glad I did. Made that a lot more fun. Man, if you walked on a treadmill the whole time for The Hobbit, I mean, it's kind of apropos, too, because they walk through the film. And I did it with Avatar Extended Edition. <laughs> I will try it with The Hobbit because it sounds least uh, less uh, aggravating. Uh, great job. I had to sort of forgotten how good this is. I love there's humor along with all the action and drama. I find it interesting that I'm okay with the orcs and the trolls and how gross they are, but the Goblin Kling is just too much. <laughs> In fact, I could have done without that entire section. Number one for fun, a.k.a. number two, The Avengers. How many times have I watched this one? So much fun bringing all the characters together for the first time. It's especially fun after seeing and knowing how they all end up down the road. There's a lot of action, good versus bad, 
so many great clever lines. One scene I can watch over and over is uh, Puny God. I remember the first time we saw it at the Alamo and the audience was laughing so loud after the beating Hulk gave Loki that we missed the line after. And number one uh, is Lincoln. History brought to life and beautifully portrayed. Daniel Day-Lewis is amazing along with an outstanding cast. Steven Spielberg took the story of this most difficult time in history of the U.S. and made it a masterpiece. Agreed. Mm -hmm. Honorable mention, The Impossible. First time we see Tom Holland, who is great. Agreed. Quartet, sweet story with Maggie Smith. Flight, Denzel was amazing. Looper, seems like I should like it, but I remember it being dark and sad. That's true, too. Quartet almost made my list. That is a good film. <laughs> Wreck and, Wreck-It Ralph and Brave. Clearly, I would like this to be a top 15 list. All right, there you have it. And as always, I look forward to hearing your list. Maybe good suggestions of the one we've missed. Not the horror movies. Yuck. Well, I mean, Father's Day isn't technically a horror <laughs> film. It's more exploitive. Um, <laughs> Cabin in the Woods. There you go. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. I hope you all are well. It would be great to see you in person soon. Maybe at the movies. Love you all. Carol. Sweet. Thank you, Carol. Which one do you want me to do? Um, Brooks or Jacob? You do Jacob. I'll read Brooks's list. I don't want to say you do. <laughs> huh? You read Jacob's and I'll read Brooks. Okay. Uh, yeah, so uh, another Hart family member, Jake Hart, has written in again. Hi, guys. It's Jake Hart again. Heard you were doing a fil- 2012 film explosion. I don't want any guff about how about the I don't want any guff about what is low on my list. It was an excellent year and everything on here beat out a lot of of great movies. Number 10, The Pirates, Band of Misfits. Mm-hmm. I love the Ardman movies every decade yeah. one comes out. Faster, guys. Lovingly <laughs> and meticulously shift those plasticine dolls faster. Number 9, The Hobbit, An Unexpected Journey. Has the dubious honor that it would be higher on the list if some of it were taken out. <laughs> if I wanted the Similarian, Silmarillion. If I wanted the Silmarillion. Silmarillion. Yeah, uh, I'd watch the HBO shit series. Number eight, John Carter. This list seems very familiar. <laughs> <laughs> this movie bombed because everyone assumed it was a ripoff of Avatar. Just let that sink in for a minute. James, uh, Jacob, stop copying your mom. <laughs> Number seven, Red Tails. People have been waiting decades for a high-budget movie of the awesome story of the Tuskegee Airmen. And that's exactly who saw it. Yeah. Uh, six, Skyfall. The best Bond film since sometime around Roger Moore. This was essentially wow. the anti-Die Another Day. True. Number five, Wreck-It Ralph. It's cute and fun, and I'm a sucker for both Outcasts and Redemption. I'm also old enough to have actually played Tapper. That was a real game. Yeah, no, I <laughs> love Tapper. When you played in the arcade, it actually has a tap on it. I love I, it. I appreciate Jacob like uh, uh, confirming this for us. Uh, number four, The Amazing Spider-Man. Look, if we all love Spider-Man as much as Ryan, it wouldn't be special. Yeah. Number three, Paranorman. This movie plays a clever trick on the audience. Mm-hmm. It looks cute. It looks like a cute, funny Halloween-themed kids' adventure movie but it's actually a heartfelt exploration of the difficulties of being a kid who doesn't fit in. No one's ever made that movie before. But it's it's really well made, and it's uh, like a killing it. Number two, The Avengers. This movie plays a clever trick on the audience. It looks like a cleverly crafted, meticulously coherent ensemble superhero story 
but it's actually the world's longest commercial for Mediterranean food. (laughs) (laughs) And number one, I did try shawarma for the first time after I saw Avengers. So he's right. Yeah, me too. It's not bad. Um, And number one, not surprisingly, he's a heart. So Lincoln, (laughs) 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 I met my wife, Leanne at a showing of Lincoln on December 19th, 2012. And also the movie was good. (laughs) Next up, 2022. Maybe by then I'll have seen some more of this year's movies. See, that's a good one. Yeah. So like I mentioned at the top of the show, we have one from someone who's never sent us a list before. James's wife, Brooks, sent us a list this year. What? Yeah. Here's um, your list, James. Yeah. Or maybe this is it and you're just doing it through your wife. I'm sorry. I have like 500 questions, but read her letter first. Yeah. (laughs) She says, hey there, real nerds. This is real nerds' wife, Brooks. (laughs) This is I think she forgot to put James in there. But, this is uh, our wife? Yeah, it says <laughs> collectively. Yeah. All right. Well, writing in my top married, nine list that. of 2012. I know it's supposed to be a top 10, and I've seen more than 10 of the movies from 2012, but I don't remember them all clearly. So here are the ones I remember and like. Number nine, Silver Linings Playbook. I wonder how James feels about that. Because I know James hates David O. Russell so much. That 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 might be their, like, one. Yeah, every relationship has that one thing where you're just never going to agree. Yeah, mine's MacGruber with my wife. Yeah. She fucking hates that movie so much. Yeah. I remember when she saw it with us in the theater, and she wanted to, like, kill me. Yeah. Um, I'm just imagining them having, like, a quiet dinner opposite ends of the table <laughs> for, like, a good five, ten minutes not saying anything. And then just one of them brings up. You know, I kind of like Silver Lang's playbook and then just like slamming the silverware <laughs> down. Like, Divorce! <laughs> you said you want to bring this up again. Uh, number eight, Contiki. Another. I know James likes that movie a lot too. Yeah. That uh, was his seven. number one that year, right? Uh, was his number one? I thought that was 2013. No, that was his 10. You're right. Never mind. Sorry. Uh, number seven, The Place Beyond the Pines. That's a dark movie. Yeah. Um, France, yeah. Wow. Number six, The Battery. Um, See, that's why I think this is James's list. <laughs> <laughs> number five, 21 Jump Street. Number four, Safety Not Guaranteed. Number three, The Avengers. Number two, Prometheus. James. <laughs> and number one, Lincoln. Um, Brooks, great list. Uh, yeah. You Where know, were their Oscar ballots when uh, he could have gotten his third directing <laughs> Oscar? <laughs> Yeah, and then something like 21 Jump Street is in the Oscar um, yeah, exactly. conversation. Where the fuck were there? Why didn't they become Academy members when we needed them? All, all kidding aside, Brooks, thank you for taking part in our film explosion. Yeah. Uh, I miss you and James. Yes, we miss the whole Hart family. Uh, Jerry uh, sent us a list for 2012, uh, The Art of Jerry M. on Facebook. Uh, the following is the perfect order of all the important films that came out in 2012. Anything outside of this is a mistake. <laughs> These are facts, guys. <laughs> Number eight, and it's, it's not a top ten, it's just a top eight. <laughs> okay. uh, safe House. Oh, that's a good one. Well, we never. I, I never say they have to send us a top ten list. I just say send us your favorite films. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, strangely very low. Uh, Avengers at number seven. Uh, Brave at number six. Uh a dark horse, uh, Abraham Lincoln vampire, vampire hunter <laughs> at five. Better uh, yeah, the other come up yet. Movie that right. year. <laughs> you always need two movies. <laughs> yeah, number four, uh, another John Carter, another vote for John Carter. Hmm. Uh, number three, The Impossible. Lucas. Uh, yeah, here's one that uh, hasn't popped up yet. Chronicle. 
haven't seen that movie. Oh, in a Chronicle long time. was early Dane DeHaan and Michael B. Jordan. Yeah, right? I think that's the first time I saw Michael B. Jordan. Yeah. Was he a Disney guy first? Am I remembering him wrong? No I don't know. Um, I just know that the screenwriter of it is a dick. So, um, and of course, you got to write with number one, The Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> so, good job, Jerry. Thanks for writing in. I didn't think Keep I'd on hear doing the it. title Safe House again in my life. Yeah. Uh, it was on Corinne's list as well, and she, for some reason, doesn't want me to read her list. So Why not? I don't know. Uh, she was going to be here, but uh, yeah. when she realized we were probably going to be late, she decided to. She'd she be just like, fuck you guys. She has a trip she's going on. She was like, I'll just take that time to pack. Also, like, she didn't confirm she was going to be here, so I didn't have her on the DVD yet. So she was like, if not, I can be on the Blu-ray then. Then don't read my list. Then I'm not going to be here. Maybe she'll send in a voicemail. That's why. Yeah, we'll see. Yep. See if I edit it in. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> see how it goes. Uh, thank you to everybody who sent something in. Um, there were no Twitter or Facebook No, ones? we got all emails this time. Okay. And that's cool, too. Um, I appreciate it. Thank you for coming with us on this journey. Now, next year will be our 12th year of doing Real Nerds. Wow. When does it end? Never ends. On episode 666. Ooh. Um, the sign of the pod piece. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next week, our film of the week is Weird, yeah. the Al Yankovic story. Uh-huh. Um, we've already seen it. Spoiler alert. It's so, funny. So I got to download um, the Roku channel. Yeah, everyone else gets to watch it in three days. All right. Yep. So Brad and I are lucky. We also got sweet Hawaiian shirts that promote the film. I look like Weird Al now. Yep. <laughs> um, so thank you again. And we'll see you in the movies. And send us your 2022 list. In yeah, because it's two happening months. really fast. This is already November. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you have till the end of December. And maybe check out to see if we're doing this uh, film explosion live. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Here at the Bug. Who knows? In front of people. We'll see. Wait, actual people and not the mannequins that are like probably backstage. Oh, we should just set up a fake audience. <laughs> mannequins. <laughs> just fill these seats with. Uh-huh. Rent it out as a storage for a mortuary. <laughs> <laughs> We're killing it. Uh, Literally. <laughs> yeah. See you at the movies. Bye. Bye. You waited all here, hear what the nerds have chosen. I'm telling you all, it's a film explosion. Film explosion. Thanks for listening to Real Nerds Podcast, a Nebulous Visions production. Stream or download episodes, read articles at realnerdspodcast.com. Stream us on Apple or Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or iHeartRadio. Follow us on Facebook, Real Nerds Podcast. Twitter and Instagram, at Real Nerds. Watch us on YouTube, Real Nerds Podcast. Email us at realnerds at gmail.com. Call us at 720-6Nerds5. Thank you to Sparks Mandrill, Mike at Plan 9 Studios, and Bolognium for all of our groovy theme songs. And that's how you fucking do it.